A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com If it come to it and you'd gone face-to-face with Scott Steiner... I would have faked Judge- it. I would have faked it. <laughs> I would have clutched my chest and fallen to the floor. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Done something about me weight. Done something about it. I've lost nine and a half stone in six months. Uh, she's called Cheryl, and uh, ah, ah, <laughs> the thing is, though, uh, you can relax. By the way, I'm not on the pool tonight. I am married. Um, my wife's American, which is great because over there I'm classed as an athlete, and she uh, <laughs> she's not here tonight, and that's why I'm doing that joke. <laughs> if she was here tonight, I wouldn't be doing that joke because I'd be sleeping on the couch. And I don't like sleeping on the couch. In fact, the couch doesn't like me sleeping on the couch. <laughs> I, met her, I met her on a summer camp, you know, like you see on TV, uh, with all the kids and that. I was uh, working over there. She was a camp counsellor, and I was working over there as a lifeguard. And we... <laughs> that was 26 years ago. Greg's was not that popular back then. <laughs> they had one shop called Greg, right? Stefan Paddy, how are you doing? Well, good evening, or good afternoon, or good morning, wherever you are. And Mr. Tom Campbell, how are you? Great radio mate. I am doing all right, great. We nearly slipped into Tony Blackford there. I'm doing all right. I feel like it's automatic. <laughs> I would I would happy for us to be the modern day Smashy and Nacy. I would oh, love that. Top of the morning, my darling. That would be that would be special. See, what's what's lovely is is that Stefan, you and I, we've we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're a man that is well traveled, uh, a, a funny man, and a massive wrestling fan. So, huge wrestling fan, huge wrestling fan. It made sense for us to sit and have a chat about matches that you'd love to watch while stranded on a desert island. And I hate you because this has been <laughs> one of the hardest decisions. Anyway, there's a good friend of mine, Kylan Rochdale, who's a massive wrestling fan as well. And we have had, because um, he works late, so I normally ring him after I finish the show, my, my, my running show, the show. And we have a half an hour chat, and we have spent three weeks trying to come up with these three matches. Wow. And I've, I've got, I could, I could do it for every promotion. So it's, it's really hard. 
what I love is that I've had some guests on this who we've started the interview and they've gone, oh, do I pick three matches? Oh, um, okay. Uh, all right. N- despite the fact that, well, that was in the memo that you have to. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate the, the effort that you've gone oh, to to choose your three matches. And I want to talk about uh, your love of wrestling, your life and times yeah. in wrestling and your life yeah. and times uh, around the entertainment world as well. But let's get it started. And let's take a little bit of the weight off your shoulders of this big decision. Okay. Your first wrestling match, Stefan Petty, what will it be? Well, as I mark my phone on the silent, I do apologise because it just rang there. Oh, the one for me, which is going to start off, is the Great American Bash, 1989, specifically the War Games match. Ooh, now, okay. there, there have been an awful lot of War Games matches. There have been some fantastic ones. However, 89 for me is just absolutely brutality. It's stunning. It's everything you expect the War Games match to be. And I think it's what everybody uses as their, that's the one we've got to top, that's the one we've got to beat. Animal is ready to fight. Animal and Hawk in the first War Games, July 4th, 87 in the Omni in Atlanta. And they have got scores to settle with the Freebirds and the Samoans from the Marietta Massacre in the cage. A DDT by beautiful Bobby. Oh, man, I love this. It's all. Can you remember where you were when you first watched it? I was at uh, a friend's house. It was at Peter's house, a mate of mine, Peter, who had it on the uh, way before DVD video, the video cassette of it, which his dad had got because his dad worked on the oil rigs. So they, <laughs> so obviously it was a hooky video, um, but it was because halfway through the tuxedo match between Cornet and uh, Paulie Dangerously. Uh, the tape went really fuzzy. And uh, it was obviously somebody had messed around with the tracking when they were recording it. I was at Peter's house and we were sitting watching it and and uh, I didn't know that much WCW because you didn't get to see much of it. And it was probably about 90... Oh, I would say it's probably about 91 that I got to see this. It was a couple of years after it happened. But it was absolutely amazing. It was just one of those ones where... Um, I mean, the lineup. First of all, Midnight Express in faces. Yeah, it's weird seeing them as faces in this, isn't it? It's it's really strange, and it took a lot of getting used to. But, uh, Bobby Eaton is just amazing. I think he's one of Bobby Eaton's the um, on Anderson's shadow. Everybody knows how good Arn is, and he's finally getting respect due. I don't think Bobby Eaton gets enough. He's, no. he's so snug and crisp when he's punching people, when he's taking the moves. Everything looks like it's connecting and hurting. He sells amazingly. Uh, and he's in with the Legion of Doom. And they hold, they hold their own in with the Legion of Doom. Especially when Hawk just gets and kills everybody. Um, and they're up against uh, the fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin, yeah, Michael yeah. Hayes and Terry Gordon and the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu yes. and Samu. Yeah. And this is and, and I think everyone does forget, like, uh, like Rikishi had yeah. a, a real like late bloom in the late oh, 90s. Totally. But here he is in 1989 in a War Games yeah. match. Oh, that's it. That's it. I mean, it, it when, you're, when you're watching them as well, like, oh, oh, you can see shades. What he what, shades of what's to come. I, I mean, that's just a hell of it, hell of a team. Plus, you've got Dr. Death Steve Williams in there as well. Oh, of course, I've got Dr. Death Steve Williams in a month. The thing what... is, though, he is so he's he's in there and he's a big part of the match. 
you remember the teams, you remember the tag teams. You, that's the whole thing that really stands out to you. And uh, you also, you also, um, you know, I mean, I could have went with previous ones, like when Sid decided to kill Brian Pillman twice with the most botched um, powerbomb ever, where he clearly nearly breaks his neck and decides to go again. I could have went with any of the ones which Dusty was in. And I have to be honest with you, the NXT ones have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the War Raiders and Ricochet was just, I thought, yeah, when they said they're bringing back war games, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not going to be what it was, but hey, they delivered. So uh, that for me is going to be my first match. And I recommend anybody, if you're going to pay the evil empire some money to pay for the network, that's the one to pay for. That's the match to go for. Favourite spot in that match? I would say, honestly, the first minute. Because you've got the teams and you kind of know where it's going to go. 30 seconds in. It's kind of like hawking animal. Well, one of them doesn't. Let's just say maybe he had too many fruit shoots. He <laughs> appears to be hyper excited, and you just see him sort of like go ah, and um, everybody else is kind of like going don't want him, don't want him, don't want him, and it's almost <laughs> like people pushing themselves in the way of Hawk, and everybody else going there's, there's, there's the rest of us here. Um, <laughs> And any time the camera goes on Dr. Death, you know, he, he kind of knows he's got the camera on him. And he is so, well, snug. It's, mm. it, it, I honestly, it, he's, I feel gutted that we're being robbed because of Brawl for All of a Steve Austin, Steve Williams match. Oh, that would have been uh, special. Oh, it would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. But that's, now, this is, this is the hard one. I've had to pick three. That is the one. Out of all the WCW, that is the one I'm going to go with. Amazing. And I've had to pick one from one classic, one classic from the 80s. Absolutely. We'll get to the other ones in just a bit. But uh, can you go back in time uh, to your first memory as a wrestling fan? You talk about a friend yeah. who, who got you the VHS of this. Was this what opened the door for you? No, 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 no. I'm sitting with my grandma watching World of Sport. Mm. Um, I'm going to my grandma's, I mean, grandma being at my house. And I was one of the regular millions of people who on a Saturday would sit and tune into World of Sport. And from the age, I think probably my earliest memory was five, I would have been about five years old, was sitting watching. Um, and the ones which really stand out for me were Kendo Nagasaki. Um, Kendo Nagasaki, Les Kelly, I loved because he was really funny. Um, I really loved Les Kelly. Didn't like Cat Weasel. Stand Cat Weasel, but he was only on every, every once in a blue moon. Um, my grandma had absolute, absolute hatred of Jackie Palo and uh, Mick McManus. I mean, Mick McManus to the point that she was like, she, she wanted to hurt him. Um, and she would have been one of those grannies with a handbag with a brick in type of thing. Um, and uh, that was that was for me, that was what started us. And then even when she wasn't there, I would sit and watch it regularly. And then when they got took off TV, I wasn't going to watch this American stuff because, you know, ugh, it's not proper wrestling. It's not the proper stuff, is it? Yeah, like, exactly. And that was that was my attitude at the time. I was like, it's not the proper stuff. But it's so, funny uh, how um, how that that style resonates even now because oh, we've done like 70-odd episodes of this, Stefan, and yeah. we've had people from every – I think guests from every corner of the world – 
mention World of Sport and talk about how it's inspired by them. I think quite often we'll get World of Sport matches thrown in here because that style is, it's a little bit for everybody. It's its yeah. funny when it needs to be, but also some of the greatest technical wrestlers of our time came through the World I of Sport. I feel really style. bad because I haven't picked a World of Sport match. Ah, don't worry about it. It's Genuinely, I couldn't. Mm. I w- we spent a week going through, uh, me and my friend Kyle, going through the best matches I've got to be honest with you. It's you know which one's your favorite kid. It's really hard to pick because it depends on the mood, what mood you're in, um, what you know, what type of attitude you're in. I I remember finally um, rewatching rewatching some of it on YouTube, um, and uh, Les Kellett Leon Harris match where it's Ian Glover, the actor, under Leon Harris wrestling. Uh, it's you know it's comedy, but it's technical and it's amazing. And the guy's bald; he's complaining about getting his hair pulled. I mean, you know, there's so, like you say, there's something for everybody. It's a 20 minute match that entertains for all 20 minutes, which I have to be honest with you, you can't see these days on some matches. And I hate to say that. No. You you want to say it's unfortunately the the, the way in which the shows are presented now has changed so much and back then these things had there was time for these matches to breathe yeah. and, and tell yeah. the story over 25 minutes and you don't with, with a tv match on an episode of raw um which which i'll be honest with you at time of recording the last three weeks have been appalling and it's really sad yeah. because yeah. there is that because they've just they're stuck very much in, in a rut right now but to go back to like the influence of world of sport mm-hmm. like even on the even on the wrestling of today you see it there's um the, the one we talked about on a previous episode where it's uh it's a move that john moxley does where he gets knocked into the ropes he bounces off the second yes. rope seesaws back in comes back with a lariat yeah and, yeah and it's a move directly inspired by les kelly from world of Sport. Is, yeah 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 it was also um i think tally ho tally ho jones as well used to do one like that as well i'm sure i can't remember i've probably got his surname wrong and there's people now going you idiot How do you, know? <laughs> you got the tally hobbit right you got the tally hobbit he did he used Ta- to do tally ho smith i think it was tally i think it was only that as long as that but he used to do the same one where he'd rebound off the ropes and do that and do a lariat it was it was lariats are beautiful when they're done properly lariats oh. are amazing when but they're it, snug and they're oh. quick who does the best lariat in wrestling um well, oh hey, when now? Mm. I would, I would, I would actually go to AEW and uh, oh boy, shit! I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I am a very, very, very big fan of cowboy shit. Yeah, because um, I'm going to be honest with you. The entire roster watching, and I, I, I watch, I watch AEW probably uh, more now than I watch WWE. Um, I mainly watch NXT um, uh, when I had had the network, NXT and NXT UK, and AEW, and the main roster stuff was, you know, if Shinsuke was having a match at Cesaro, I would have a watch. Mm. Or, you know, for certain people who I'd watch a match for. Or if I'm listening to a review show, say, for example, on Cultaholic, I would have a listen and go, all right, I would have a listen in. And many times I've asked you, going, is that any good? Can you give us a shout? What do you, you know, let's let's have a chat about it. What's about, what would you recommend? And I'll go through and I'll dabble in a bit of New Japan. But um, for me, when AEW started, Hangman Page for me was going to be the standout. 
and I was I was I just I kind of wish they were doing more with them now than sticking them with the dark order. And I know they're going to probably wait a bit longer. And then we're going to have the Omega. I'm not going to call him Omega. You can sort off. Omega. Um, it's not how we say it here. It's the same how fish oil. <laughs> go, go away, Mister. Omega three. <laughs> yeah, Omega three. It's the exact same thing. Kenny yeah, fish oil. like that Doctor Who as well. Then they're aliens. No, they're talking about. Why um, have you ever called him Kenny fish oil? Why? I'll be great, Kenny fish oil. <laughs> it, 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 and explain the the, the luster in his hair. But I know they're going to do that. You kind of think that's the way they're going to go back for the booking and go back, and hopefully that'll be a case of you know, him having a long title run and then Hangman Page coming in because he's had his redemption arc and Jory For me, I love the stuff he does. He's so yeah. good. And his matches against Pac, wow. He you was know. a bit of an unripe tomato at the beginning mm. of AEW, yeah. and I think he needed that. Like they, I think they... They clearly had the idea that he was going to be the guy, like yeah. when they first started, and they kind of soured on that and went, "Not yet, but down I the line." I have to be honest with you. If you're if you're watching, uh, just for me personally, because everybody's got a this is a great thing. Everybody's got different opinions. Mm-hmm. This is why I love wrestling. You can sit and talk to people for hours on end about the same matches, and everybody's seen something different. Everybody's enjoyed something different. For me, I, I he believes. That's the whole thing. I when I grew up, I was watching people who believed in what they were doing and believed in who they were, and I was like, mm. "Wow!" And there's some people on the British scene who have just, I'm, I'm, I generally, wow, that's he's he's terrifying or she's terrifying. They're, they're amazing. They really want to kick their, you know, kick the other person's ass. That's that's what I want to see. And if they're believing it, and you're going like, yeah, that's that's what I want to watch. That's really what I see. Rampage. My lord, Rampers. That man, wow. Yeah, work for your money. You're working <laughs> for your money. He is, I tell you what, I why he hasn't been signed and isn't on the main roster in the States, I do not know. He's he's uh, his NXT UK stuff has been excellent so far. It has. Um, yeah. but like you I think he's just when when the when it when it's I think when it suits him, when the time is right for him, I I want to see him in NXT off of America yeah. t- tearing the place apart. I feel like yeah. give that man everything. He's so and good. Walter. And Walter. He's Eddie. Yeah. Well, Walter's, a, Walter's an amazing case. Cause we've talked about this uh, in news videos before where Walter's yeah. one of those ones that WWE want to bring him over. They want him in the States, but he's gone. No, nah, I'm all right. I've got my family yeah. in, in Austria. I'm all right. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you sure? Here's all the money. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, Lizzo? I salute him for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I would own... rather have. I would rather have him come in as a special attraction, a la Brock Lesnar, once every once in a while, and they could do that with the mystique of them, mm. and just let him come in to destroy. Oh, you know what? The saddest part is the last time they let him play on the main roster was Survivor Series 2019, and mm. all they were, all they. They, they were quick to do some damage there. <laughs> they yeah. were quick to do some damage there. I mean, like some somebody said to me, "Oh yeah, but what do you expect him to do? Win the whole thing?" I was like, "Well, no. If he's if he's gonna if the only option is to have him beat, don't put him in the match." Yeah, exactly. Don't have put him, him in the match. Have him have him walk off. Have him walk have him off. Decide he wants to turn his back on his opponents. And we've seen yeah. it loads of times before. 
I'd just rather him not be there at all. Just rather yeah. not, you know, because then you're not going to do any harm by being being not pinned in a match you're not in. You know, no. <laughs> you're not going to lose exactly. any matches you're not in. But for you, to go back to where it started with you. Yeah. So uh, uh, World of Sport with, with your grandma, who was very yeah. much the audience for World of Sport. And you watch oh, yeah. video of yeah. it. And they're all, as you say, grandmas with handbags. Small children, grandmas and blokes with uh, tobacco stained fingers. <laughs> yes. It, it brings a tear to your eyes. But there was a point where you decided that I don't want to just watch this. I want to go for this. Now, when I first met yeah. you, yeah. you you did a bit as part of a comedy routine where you said, oh, I used to be a wrestler called Judgmental. Yeah. And and I thought it was a bit oh, until I looked into not. it. No, People I thought it seen, was a bit. Like, People oh. who've seen us probably thought it was. Um, <laughs> no, what happened was, when I was a kid, uh, I used to go to George Stevenson High School in Kilimanjaro. Mm. And he used to have the careers officer. It was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Morley who put me in and said, right, we're going to have pick three jobs that you want to do. So I put down and deadly serious. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be uh, a stand-up comedian, and I want to be a professional a professional wrestler, stroke actor. Right? He looked at us. I was like, right, we don't have them on the list because it was like you know seven jobs you can probably get. And I was dead, deadly serious. I said I'm going to do them, and he flat out said, "Was you're never going to do any of those? We're going to send you." Um, Dickens DIY in Cheyenne for work experience. It ties in with your job. This was a couple of days later. I get called back in. And I says, oh, what's that got to do with being an astronaut, professional wrestler, actor, or comedian? And he went, astronaut, because their prices are out of this world. I kid you not. <laughs> um, and uh, I basically swept up and moved wooden bricks for a week. And at that point, I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. And I've got a really bad speech impediment. I can't say free properly, and I've got a Geordie accent. I'm not exactly photogenic. I'm not the normal person you see on TV, anything like that. And uh, when I left school, I got advised to go, go get a proper job because, you know, these daft ideas you have. And then three years later, I was hosting Saturday Morning Kids Telly nationally um, doing a TV show called Gimme Five, which was great. And I got a phone call from my headmaster asking us to come back. And that was the first time I ever swore a headmaster. So that was great. Wow. Uh, so so that, talk us through that phone call then. So the, the headmaster he, said well, you won't really guy, do anything. The guy was a bit of a... Um, so I've told the story on stage, but... Um, I How can I put this plainly? So there's a friend of mine... Um, not Peter, but he shall remain nameless if this is going to be broadcast. Uh, there's a friend of mine who... What happened was, they had the school fate at the high school, and they had a clown, and this person was a religious clown, Christian clown. He was doing teachings of Christ in magic. While just making, making balloon crosses. No, uh, Jesus goes in the cave, look, we'll pull back the cave door, Jesus disappeared, but look, he's risen again. Um, With a rabbit. In, honestly, yes, yeah, honestly, <laughs> this, this is a nose, the whole thing, right? It was amazing act to see. It was, so I'm going to be honest with you. If you're, if you're theming a magic act, it was a great magic act. And I, I this is where I become terrified of clowns. Because my friend at the time was, I hate clowns. And basically picked up and threw a stone at them. Um, so at the time, we were like 13. And uh, I was I was a little chubby kid at that time. You know, I got a stitch as soon as I thought I was running. My mate threw a stone at them. 
he had one of those, you know, Mr. Punch things in your throat where, oh, 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 when he does a voice. Oh, yes. Like a, like a, it's a, it's like a you put in your throat. and Yeah, Goozle, I believe it's called, where you put it on your tongue, it's like a little reed, so you make that stupid Mr. Punch voice. Well, he made for a stone at him. I, I don't think it hit him, but it came very close. And he got a surprise. He got a fright. And I think he nearly swallowed his goozle. Oh. And, and then he shouted, I'm going to kick your ass, like that, but with a Mr. Punch voice. And started chasing towards us with their massive shoes. And I couldn't move for laughing. Because I'm thinking, he's, I'm going to get a kick off a club with them huge shoes. And I got caught. <laughs> I got caught and, and my mate ran off. And my dad, my dad got called into the school. And I had to go in on Monday, and um, I, I got suspended for a week. And I had to stand there with this bloke and this clown and apologise to him. <laughs> so I did. And my dad was there, my dad was like, my dad was very serious. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, my dad's been a magistrate and things like that. He's, you know, he's a very serious man. And um, he always thought all my ideas were really daft about being a wrestler and acting and all that. He's no, he's get my job. And we stood there, this is when I'm 13, and the headmaster was like, yeah, discussing that you did this, you know, you know, he's, he's teaching the Lord's word through magic. And I'm like, yeah, it was really good. I joined you. <laughs> Fantastic. And then we finished it off, and I apologised. And he says, you have to remember, Stefan, clowns are not figures of fun. And this is when my dad just went, you're an arsehole. And then <laughs> that, was, that was me, because my dad was just like, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. Clowns are not a figure of fun. And we kind of, my dad was cast from that point. Mm. So um, when he rang us up and said, "Would you like to um, would you like to come back and open up the school summer theatre?" I went, "Oh, is there, by the way, I proved you wrong on that one, and I'm going to prove you wrong on the other ones as well." And then I told him to um, go away and politely. Wow! Put the phone down, and it was that just kind of spurred us on to do more. Um, Absolutely. I was doing stand up at the time, and I'd been doing stand up when I started. My first gig was, I think I was like 14 years old, between 13 and 14 years old, at a social club. My first proper gig was I used to manage um, manage a friend's band. Nobody wanted to come and see the band. Everybody wanted to have a disco. So we'd go to Kilimath Community Centre, which would get fun out. There was a friend of mine who, um, his brother was a DJ, and for 10 quid would lend him the equipment. And he would do a disco afterwards, which is how everybody wanted. And would put the band on for half an hour. And uh, the band were like, hey, everybody's coming to see us. I was like, no, they're coming to see the disco. And we'd always try to have a support act on. And then one night, the support act didn't turn up. And I went on and did some jokes. And that was a very slippery slope. That was and your first comedy started. gig. It was by that accident. Was your first comedy gig, yeah. And, uh, wow. and, it, and it, it paid terribly, which has seemed to be a frequent thing for most of my career. So... So how did this? How did we go from that to judgmental? Um, I always wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah, was really keen to be a wrestler. I was um, in London. I was crashing at. Um, I was crashing at Edburn and Ross Noble's flat because they were friends, and they had the scummiest flat in London. Um, it was I was sleeping in the kitchen stroke living room corridor, which is what it was. And there was rats in the kitchen. It was honestly it was a horrible, horrible place. And um, we went round to the comedian Brendan Burns' house. And Brendan, can I remember this? And we were watching Tombstone. Um, and everybody was slagging. I think it was Tombstone was the film. We were, st- we were all sitting and everybody was basically slagging each other, having a go and having a dig and having all this. 
and I was really sick. And at that point, you had to live in London to have a, a career. And I hated London with a passion. And the weekend beforehand, I'd been at the comedy, um, the comedy cafe in London and made a couple of jokes. And uh, Andre, Andre Baker had been one of the people in the audience and said about oh, Hammerlock. And, and I'd seen Hammerlock in the back of Power Slam magazine. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. And he was like, yeah, if you want to do training, blah, blah, blah. He was a great big lad and all that. And he was going, if you want to do blah, 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 come along. And uh, we're running a training camp and that. And I, uh, I sat there and I was so sick of everybody being um, so nasty with each other and so horrible. I mean, Ross wasn't, but everybody at that point was all, everybody's young and uh, everybody's fighting for the same gigs and things like that. They and tear I was each other down constantly. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was absolutely nobody. I was no good. I was terrible. Generally, I've only, I, when I was younger, I was, my heart was in it, but I didn't have any life experience and I had nothing. Um, I'm in America. I'd lived in America for about nine months, um, which is where I met my missus. Um, I travelled and travelled around and see, went to see lots of wrestling shows, which was really, really good fun. Um, and followed me travels around states, basically going to see shows, which was a lot of it as well. And I'd, apart from that, I had very little life experience and um, thought, right, and we're sat in the party and just said, oh, this for a game of soldiers, I'm gonna go become a professional wrestler. Which Brendan was like, You, yeah, 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 uh, off you go, take the thing, laughing about it. Then, um, I thought, Right, I have a lot about four months later, the, the summer camp went along and did the week long summer camp. In the meantime, I tried to find if there was any training schools closer to me. And there was some people did little one day sessions. Um, there's a guy who claimed to be from the Wigan Snake Pit. Which I lost two hundred quid on, and it wasn't. It was just some chancer. That was a, that was a, a, a prestigious well fighting hey, club, wasn't it? Well, no, it was. Eight. Yeah, and this this guy claimed he was from the Wigan Snake and spent two hundred quid and went down for two weekends and learned how to do Hamelon. And then you found out that he heard of the place, but he knew nothing about it. And he, his uncle used to be an old uh, uh, world of sport wrestler, and uh, he came down and, and was showing you how to do forward rolls and things. Uh, no breakfalls, nothing like that. Um, and that was me starting. And uh, also, um, many, many years ago, it was a, there was a case of um, I had I had pushed myself to as far as I could go, saying, right, I really want to do this. And anywhere where they did a training school, I would, instead of doing stand-up, I would go and try and visit and learn how to do it and learn how to become a wrestler and try and find anything. And I lost a lot of money because if you think there are some dodgy training schools now wow mid 90s was the wild west i tell you but you landed on your feet with hammerlock because uh, for people who don't know like hammerlock uh was was a was a big wrestling school again it was and and you've you got look, um look at Kirby the alumni Devin. yeah yeah baller you trained at the same place as finn williams. baller williams um johnny moss i actually think i'm not sure I think um, Fergal was there for that one, that main one, that first one I went to. Oh, really? I, if I didn't know better, I genuinely think there's a couple of pictures um, I've seen on his his thing. And I can judge it by the size of Johnny Moss, how big he gets. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, good. that's about the size. Yeah, I think that's about the size when I first met Johnny. So he's because it. it Johnny's sizes. It's like oh. the rings, like the rings inside a tree. Like how Johnny big is Finn Balor? 
Johnny Moss is amazing. Yeah. Johnny Moss is one of those people who's like, the intensity is like a British Scott Steiner. Mm. I, I've seen him suplex people who were like, I'm not going to go. You're going. <laughs> <laughs> you're suplexed. You're gone. You're like, oh, I saw him in the, in the show in Scotland. And this was when Grado was still one of the lowlanders. Um, before he was like, probably Grado, Grado. Before he was Grado, yeah. Yeah. And there was a, was a, was a, I think it was Govan. Very close to Govan, or maybe Bell, Bell's Hill. I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. But, uh, Johnny Moss was in a match. And he was in a match. And, and the thing was, in the 90s, there was a lot of fat lads like myself who went, I'm a wrestler. And um, they'd buy some pleather trousers and they'd be really tall and really big. I actually sat backstage watching people cling filling in their belly down have a match. So they'd breathe in and people would cling filling them, right? And if anybody says that never happened, I, I can pull witnesses to this. I'm not going to name names, but they did it and they pulled it, they'd stuck their stomach in. So they'd be blown up before they even started. Oh. I was happy just to be fat and late, right? It was fantastic, you know, hitting <laughs> me stretch marks. Um, and you'd see people do that. And uh, I always remember. Johnny was in with this lad, and this lad was just, no, I'm not selling anything. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm going to be the taker. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And uh, Johnny just then proceeded to show him, hey, look at all these moves I can do. (laughs) (laughs) You're going. Yeah, oh, very much so. He he suplexed this lad about halfway across the ring. (laughs) And I just remember just going, that is a thing of beauty. There's something (laughs) to enjoy. Amazing. Really where good. did um where did the character come from? Where did uh judgmental judgmental come from? Well, judgmental came from uh, I was we were laughing and joking on and trying to come up with names for ourselves. And um the the I mean I probably went to, I went to Hammerlock for the week long camp and then I went down quite a few times the odd weekend if I was down that neck of the woods, but traveling all the way from Newcastle down to Kent is like an eight hour train journey. Mm. So you can imagine it is a long time to get down there. And then you're sore and you're stiff coming back as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, you know, unless you're training constantly, you're going to get back out of hell. Mm-hmm. And your, your body's not used to it and pumping. Um, and we were, when we were sitting coming up with it, we all came up with names, but I had I had judgmental reformed in my head from about the age of 16. Because it was like, right, um, so my idea was, okay, you've got the death sentence powerbomb. So at the time, it was all the really gimmicky WWF stuff. So it was like, right, okay, well, I'll put a bit of cloth on my head, the white cloth on my head before you deliver it, which would give you like a five-second pause to do something. Um, coming down the full weight of the law would be a splash off the top rope. Um, going for a long stretch would be a camel clutch. And it was looking going, what can I actually do? <laughs> what can I actually do? And what would be a good name? So I've always loved that side of it. And... Um, the booking and the coming up with the characters and all that. That's the best for me. That would be the best job ever. That being a booker. Nice. What was your favorite match as judgmental? Um the one I remember most. Oh god, this was terrible. <laughs> um so I was the promotion called IWF. Um, which is where some people had their starts. We we had people come up uh, back. Um, went from backyard into there, and has been incredibly pleasant whenever he's mentioned it in the past. Incredibly pleasant, more pleasant than he should have been. Um, at the time when we were there, I was I just went through a really messy breakup, 
Um, I got into a bit of an argument with him about um, somebody loading the van and doing something. And uh, to be honest with you, he was always way ahead of everybody else. There was a couple of other lads who were really, really ahead of everybody else as well. There's a lad, uh, Brian Bell, assassin, who assassin is a great pair of hands and should have been bigger than he is. Way bigger than he is, mm. one of the really talented men who could really move. Um, and we were in a tag team called Law and Disorder. And what happened was at that point, my ex had come along to the show with her new lad, and um, we did a handicap match where I was in another match, and we were defending the tag team belts by myself because you know, God, hey, you know. We all, we all, we all have a cross to bear, and I was an idiot at the time. I went, yeah, great. And it was basically um, what I didn't know was the lads in the the lads in the locker room knew about it. The uh, one of the managers at the time who was running it knew about it, and they fed everybody to us. While oh. I kept pointing at the bloke, giving the Hogan point, going you <laughs> um, to uh, so. She, she turned up, and at this point, I was well over her, but at that point, it was really this smarmy little bitch who she was going out with. We're living shite scared out of them, seeing me uh, basically power <laughs> bombing and choke slamming lots of people in the ring while I keep pointing at them going, you're next. We're ahead of Goldberg. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here in Atlam. The only place where the family tree is a straight line. Thank you. You've got somebody here who's going to be a ringside enforcer. Right, but I'm sorry, I won't come from Borough. I'll come from the town, the team, Newcastle. Now, if you don't need one finger on his foot, I've got him straight to claims direct. And I'll have your UFC title, and I'll have your nice standing out. Because we're journeys, and that's how we do it. The last match would have been a free CW, which was um, Conscience, Raven. Um, yeah, it was Conscience, Raven, Brian uh, Assassin. It was a it was Raven doing a tour of little little venues around the UK, and um, I got took out by Stevie Aaron. Ring announcer, super kick, super kick me. That's a huge cow. The plane more blow by judgmental and he's in the ring. Get this guy out of there. And we missed some kind of move in the ring, but we had to go. Oh, come on, referee. And come wait, on. what's Stevie Aaron doing? Stevie Aaron's in the ring. With, oh, effortlessly just shoved out. Judgmental. Oh, wait a minute. This is a repeat of Sunday. Stevie Aaron getting back on his feet. And Conscience come to the edge of Stevie Aaron. It looks like... Oh, oh wait, wait a minute! There's a Stevie kick! Stevie kick knocked down Judge Mental! Tubby goes down! Judge Mental, get him out of here! He's got no business being there! Actually, had, I've got to be honest with you, one of the best promotion feuds. Would, it was a good fun. And this is all, you know, it's more hobby stuff, to be honest with you, compared to this stuff today. It was free CW and IWF. They'd came and taken one of our titles at one of our trainee shows. So we turned up at their shows and we had loads of our lads with IWF T-shirts on, sitting around the ring, but with their T-shirts covered up. And um, what happened was uh, we got ice in the ice, XXIS or whatever, and sweet Stevie Aaron in the ring. And uh, we just said, oh, thanks very much for inviting us. We've had a great time. This is the end of the show. 
And then um, head butted Steve Aaron. He went out. He's got up by a couple of lads. And then all the IWF lads pulled off tops off, so they had the t shirt showing. Well, this was at Bumstown Social Club in Middlesbrough. And, you know, we're all from Newcastle. They're all from Middlesbrough. And the three CW locker room emptied out, and there's a big fight. Somebody ran into the main club and went, hey, there's a load of lads from Newcastle trying to chin our wrestlers. And <laughs> half the bar came in swinging stuff, trying to get for everybody. And the three CW crew had to basically fight everybody out of the doors so they could get away. I'm left in the ring. because <laughs> me and Brian Bell left in the ring and it was surrounded. It would just say, you had to make a speech and get out. People were throwing stones at the cars when we left. And I was like, I came away going, I feel like I'm Jim Cornette. This is amazing. I'm, I'm terrified, but it's amazing at the same time. And that was the, the payoff. We went back to Dormanstown and that was the match. And Stevie Aaron super kicked us and, and knocked us out. That was the finish. And then uh, Ian got um, DDT'd onto a chair by Raven. It was a, I think that's a fitting end. That was a happy end for that. I think if there's, a, if you're going to go out anyway. Oh yeah. It's going it, to go out there. Uh, three, three CW has got a, a very special place in my heart because yeah. uh, my, my first bit of live wrestling commentary in 2018 was for three CW. Well, um, hang on a second. No, because when we, I was, I knew you. Did you? Yeah. Before I worked out, you were the man did the comedy on the big and wigan <laughs> and i remember because i totally popped i was going it's you i didn't realize that was you you and matthew had the same response yeah yeah well no that was, it, that, was, that was the thing uh it was alex i think it was matthew who told us actually and i was like no it can't be <laughs> no it was amazing. I popped like, like crazy for that. I was like, yeah, I love oh. the big and the wicked. Oh, bless you. Why is it one of your three then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no sprules rules. Uh, oh. No. oh, no, no, bless him. It's definitely uh, going to be one of mine. Spoilers. Oh, no, no, no. Um, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> It's definitely gonna be. It's gonna be. So, it's gonna I mean, be. Gonna be one of yours. Gonna be one of yours. But I love that. I love that. But three CW. You know what? There was a lot. There was a lot of heart. There was a lot of devotion. There was a lot of people spent lots of time. And there was loads of promotions sprang up. And yes, loads of them were fly by night. Loads of them were dodgy as hell. Loads of promotion ones would be one there one week and then gone after another show. Mm-hmm. There was people didn't get paid for shows. Um, there was people who were. Absolutely taking the Mickey. I've seen this and I've decided to have it. I had one promoter I said was, You're a bit of a fat lad. Would you mind uh, being Mick Foley? I'm like, No, <laughs> I don't want to be Mick Foley, thanks. They went and goes, But we've advertised Mick Foley and you're the one who looks the most like. I'm like, oh, I'm, no. I'm not being Mick Foley. I can't do anything he does. I don't know anything. I don't really want to do that. But there was loads of tribute wrestlers around. That's a big part of British wrestling history, the tribute show. Legend of Doom. Oh. Legend of Doom. The LOD. Now, do you know who the LOD was? You know I, what? Because I it was one of my first live wrestling shows, and it yeah. advertised LOD. So and the Undertaker. And in my innocence, it's like, wow, Undertaker at Purdyswell Leisure Centre. That's amazing. <laughs> I have to go. My favorite one. I've still got a poster of this. It was one which came to Newcastle, and I never went to. 
It was the Underfager. Last as the Underfager. It was um, Legend of Doom. It was a bloke who was trying to look like The Rock. Basically, I'm sure it was some lad from Barnsley who burned his mum's shirt from Dorothy Perkin. And and then got a load of spray tan on. He was trying to do the eyebrow. He obviously couldn't do the eyebrow and then really photoshopped his eyebrow. So he kind of looked more like Mr. Spock than The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a bloke who was um, dressed up as X-Pac. <laughs> And it was just like, I'd seen the guy who wrestled his X-Pac, and he was really good as himself. I was like, he was really good. Why is he pretending to be X-Pac? I really want to do like a a documentary or something on that era in wrestling. Like when the UK just decided the best thing for the industry was to to do like a VHS copy of uh, of what the Americans were doing. Well, the IWF when it first was run by somebody else, that's what they did. Mm. And you had a, you had, um, you had an Undertaker, you had a Kane, um, and you had because uh, oh, I, it was uh, some ama- there was some amazing stuff on those shows where you're sitting there. When, when we were doing that, I got to do some of the booking for it, and the the promoter at the time goes, "We really want to have, we really really want to have a casket match." And I'm like, "I get a coffin," so I came up with the wheelie bin match. <laughs> Because we're gonna get a wheelie bin, <laughs> and they, they started off at Gateshead Leisure Centre. Of course they did. Of course they did. We started off with the wheelie bin. So you had um, Assassin Pine Bell, who had um, a kid called Scott, who was called Enigma, and he should have been called Oh, I'm Jeff Hardy. Um, and then you had um, Jeff Hardly. Now, Wilson, no, 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 no. You, you had Peter Wilson as Peter. Anyway, can I just point out, all far more talented individuals than and, I am. And this is the thing. We, we joke Amazing about that good. whole scene, but these are incredibly talented wrestlers who just got the flavour. They, they got the flavour for this is where we need had to be. 1,800 people in a sports centre mm. eating out the palm of their hands, including mums and dads. Mm. Now, this was the time of the Attitude Era. Peter, Peter Wilson, who I'll still say hello and say everyone, was... Um, Pitbull was a kind of almost stone cold Steve Austin. He used to do a swanton and he basically goes, get us a fat lad to land on. So a number of times I was landed on by uh, Peter Wilson. So you do a swanton and basically, so you know, F pulls it and lands and you get the head and thing. It would just land on you. Um, so, you know, you regularly do like a forward roll on you. Ow, how are um, Started off with the wheelie bin on the balcony. And Peter goes, I'll get in the bin. And then you two... Hold, pick it up. I'll fall from the balcony to the floor. <laughs> so they did. The only thing was, I think it was Enigma let go of the bin. So he's lying there after dropping some 12, 14 foot to the, the you know, the basketball court floor, lying there, and then has to move double quick because they dropped the bin on him. Um, and the only way you could win was by putting your opponent in the bin and having it closed for a counter free. But you see that for me. Thing is, though, when they're wrestling in North of England, people are going, That makes sense. That wheelie bin match, go yeah. for it. Yeah. But you know, also, I, would, um, I would like more wheelie bin matches to be uh, honest. Yeah, also, had you had like Eric Scarborough, who um, was a stand comedian who got involved in wrestling as well, and he designed an entire set for the IWF, which was genius. So, you had we're in social clubs, we're getting 400, 500 people in the social club. 
which was good numbers at that time for British wrestling. It was, you know, a packed social club filled with families, family entertainment, come along, and we had um, a metal stand all the way around. So we had our own Titan run. So you had logos on and all that. We'd have two boards made of plasterboard. So at one point, somebody was going to get bored through one of the boards. And a number of times, Eric Scarborough did it where he was getting changed. Somebody would get gored through and you'd have him with his trousers off because his shirt and tie on. Turn and look to the audience like, that wasn't supposed to happen. And the thing was, people are going, hey, the man was nearly naked. They didn't think that was going to happen. That was amazing. And then somebody would get gored back through it again. And you were like, with stuff like that, little touches like that. He also came up with the um, character, I think it was him and Lee Kyle came up with the Italian leprechaun from Foolery. Who was um, just, just a genius as a character. This whole conversation proves the point that I've been making for years, that wrestling is so much better when it is inherently bollocks. <laughs> Do you and know it what? is, and I say it yeah. with with the with nothing but love. It's yeah. brilliant when it's bollocks. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would, I would. There was so many. Well, I had, we had, had one lad who, um, I'm not going to name him, but he went through so many different names, and he really, really wanted to be Triple H. Oh, and um. We give him one week. He was called Rocky Road, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain. I think Rocky Road's funnier. <laughs> the sweetest wrestler around, Rocky well, Road. We used to call him. We used to call him Alton. His nickname was Alton because he was a bit fruity and a bit nutty. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was blessed. He was a lovely lad, and he, um, he's just he was really really good. But he was dead young, and everybody was really young. And the thing was, he, he would come in and he he he'd get. He'd, it was great. But he had a match where um, Brian Bell was wrestling as the Undertaker, one of the tribute things. And he had his cane outfit on underneath because he double duty. And halfway through the match, um, this lad pulled his trousers up and went, look, he's cane as well. Oh, no. Yeah, and you were like, oh, my, my greatest, the greatest one I ever saw him do, and bless him, Came out and he would every time he'd come up with me at this point. I was organizing the entrance musics and getting everything and giving a hand with the show. I wasn't wrestling, I was just doing ring announcing and stuff like that. And uh, he came out and he goes, I want to come out to DX's music. I was like, You're not coming out to DX's music. <laughs> I want to come out of that. No, you're not coming out of that music. You've got to have your own music, have you be your own person, come out with your thing. He came out and he bought a brand new leather jacket and denim jacket and basically made himself Triple H's jacket. And we were at the Tainmouth, we were at Tainmouth, we were at the Park Hotel, the audience. I think there's about 500 people, 600 people in a big back room, which sounds, I, I know people are going, oh, it doesn't sound big. For British wrestling in the mm, That's huge. Early 2000s, it was a some, big crowd. Some shows, in, in, some shows in 2019, obviously last year yeah. doesn't count, but some shows in 2019 would dream of pulling that many people in. So, and all these people in, came in, the poor lad had a speech impediment. And he was a lovely lad. I've seen him since. And he's dead canny, and his heart was in the right place. Came out and basically did beat for beat Triple H's introduction. However, he hadn't got the water blow worked out properly. Oh no! So he came out and did the whole uh, the game, stood on the edge of the ring, and then did a perfect, perfect jet of water right onto this large bald man who was incredibly large in the front row, <laughs> who who. 
who just went, are you taking the mick? And the lad, <laughs> the lad jumped up and with his speech impediment, and he was quite posh anyway, he goes, no, I, I wasn't trying to. And that was it. The oh. He's taking the mick. He's taking the mick. Because he, he looked great, but was just like, just don't speak. If you open your mouth, the illusion's over. Oh, bless yeah, him. Um, and I just, oh, you would just say, e my lord. So there's loads of little moments like that. And I, I've got to be honest with you, it's so much fun in some of the best years of enjoying, really enjoying it and having good fun doing it. Um, amazing times and meeting great people. And uh, it was it was a really great time, good fun life. What would you, what would, is there something that you didn't get a chance to do that you'd like to do or something that you could, if you could do it again, you'd do it differently? Uh, yes, I would work on my cardio a hell of a lot <laughs> and also not think that I could wrestle with a broken rib. Um, yeah, because I had a very, uh, I thought I had a bruised rib and I carried on and um, it was quite apparent. And if anybody's ever had a broken rib, you'll know. Unfortunately, I am one of those, um, well, there's a doctor called Hemus. <laughs> um, you don't realise, um, you don't realise that you've hurt yourself and all that. I was walking around with a broken, I, I broke my foot two years ago. I didn't realise I broke a bone in my foot. And I was limping around, limping around. And after a month, my wife got really angry with us and said, right, you go to the hospital, get checked. So I went to the hospital, got away. Yeah, yeah, you've broken this bone in your foot. I was like, all right. He was, it's, what it is, is when you broke your foot last time, and I was like, I haven't broken my foot before. You have look, that's where it's not healed properly, and this is it. And I was like, ah, I was well, you're five years ago when I had a bit of a limp for a couple of weeks, and I'd, I'd broken a bone in my foot. Oh, jeez. Like, so yeah, I'm very. Um, I like this. I like to say if it was in a conversation, I'd say I've got a high pain threshold. However, as my wife described it, is you're daft, you're stupid, and you don't feel stuff. <laughs> so I would, I would learn, learn to do it. I, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think I would have, uh, I was, at the end, when when the uh, when I was finished with the IWF and all that, like I say, I was in a really, really bad place. And uh, I've got to be honest, I was probably a dick with some people. It's one of them learning experiences. I was about 10 years older than everybody else. I was going through a really messy breakup. Um, I was only getting my son at weekends and things like that, and I was in a really, really bad place. And... Uh, I, I know for a fact that there's a couple of people I've seen since and apologised to, because that's one of the things you always do. Go back and apologise for any mistakes you made. Uh, and there's a couple of people I haven't, perhaps one of the people I haven't seen who actually see us already. Um, but there's, I was just an arse. Words I shouldn't be using because I now work for the BBC, but I'm being very honest. Mm. Um, I was just being a right arsehole. So it's one of them things with time, at the noises, that kind of um, tarnishes memories because you're like, oh, why were you like that? Come on now. Mm. You walk around the bridge, you realise, you know, maybe not being the best you at the time. I hear that. I hear that. Um, we'll talk more about that in a bit. and More, yeah. more, more wrestling-based shenanigans. But we've got to pick your second match now. We're on well, to the second one. So we've had a, a belter from War Games, 1989. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. would you like your next one to be? This is going to get people going, what? Uh, it is Diesel versus Bob Backlund for the WWF title. <laughs> so this is the night after Survivor Series 93 That's right. That's at right. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, how sure? Yep. So this match, uh, Bob sizes Eight up seconds. Diesel. Eight seconds long. <laughs> Bob Eight. sizes up Diesel. Diesel gives him a boot. Power Bob, one, two, three. With the hitman, Bret Hart. 
him temporarily out of action. Big Daddy Cool, the ranked number one contender, the bell rings, and Diesel, the seven-foot monster, seizes the opportunity. What a boot to the midsection, and then from there, Bob Backlund, jackknife to the canvas. Diesel, the cover, and in a record-setting eight seconds, Diesel becomes the new World Wrestling Federation champion. The celebration was on as Big Daddy Cool became the leader of the new World Wrestling Federation generation. Explain why this is on your desert island. Right. So, at this point, I was getting, it was the new generation. Mm-hmm. I was getting back into it. I was getting back into American wrestling. I preferred WCW. Um, Diesel, that point, I really enjoyed Bret Hart matches, really enjoyed Shawn Michaels, I really enjoyed the technical matches. However, there's something about some muggle big bloke just coming in and destroying somebody and going, there you go, comes a good one, comes done, right? My, my favourite wrestler is Vader. And I know mm. everybody says he's snug as hell and all that. My God, the bloke could move. And this is nearly going to be Vader versus Stan Hansen, right? The um, which is which is such a match and a half. Um, and I got to see via various tape traders because that was the way everybody got to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was gonna it was gonna be that. And then I thought about it, and the reason why I've picked this match is it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. But sometimes you don't have to have a twenty minute match. Get the pop off the crowd and see the entire place go crazy. The, the reaction to the crowd to that match was amazing. And after watching Bob Ackland and Bret Hart go at it for so long the night beforehand and have such a match the night beforehand, and it was, you know, going to be amazing. And then you just get somebody goes, none of that, none of that crap. Poof, done. That's good. <laughs> And it really kind of went, wow, that cemented a new direction, a new way forward. Unfortunately, it wasn't the greatest way forward. But I like Kevin Nash. I think he's great. I know everybody slags him for various different things and makes jokes about his quads and all that. I tell you what, the bloke is bloody entertaining. Mm. And it's it's that particular match, it starts Diesel's title reign Mm. during the new generation era on the best foot possible. Oh, goes in an awful direction yeah. after that. What um, would have happened if he hadn't been stuck with Mabel? Oh, and this, unfortunately, unfortunately, and because we, we we do the classic Raw review, Justin Henry and myself, so yeah. we're in that, we're deep, we are, we yes, are, I know you are. <laughs> deep into the trenches on that one right yeah, now. Yeah. And you know what? I always blamed Mabel. I did. But yeah. his title reign for the majority of the year has been a farce and we haven't even got to Mabel yet. So I can't blame Nelson Fraser anymore. You can't. You can't. The thing is, though, and very much in the case of, um, whereas if it had been Taker, Taker could work with everybody. Mm-hmm. So Undertaker worked with everybody. He got given some stinkers and he made the best mm. of it. He did. But the issue they had as well uh, is that Vince really didn't let him be sort of the cool badass that he that he'd become in 94. Yeah. He really yeah. wanted this sort of clean cut baby face, but in doing yeah. that, you 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 sort Took of all the you castrate him. And you're you, suffering suckatashim. 
Yeah, that you, yeah, and we see it in like Roman okay. Reigns, the suffering yeah. succotash bollocks. We see it there. And the, yeah. what's frustrating is, had you let Diesel be Diesel throughout this title reign that he had in '95, the wrestling yeah. world could have been very different. You'd have had the attitude yeah. here three years early. Oh, exactly, but exactly. Yeah. The thing is, you saw it with Cena as well, and mm. Cena went along with it. But Cena still managed. Cena went with it and made it work. Yeah, Cena. Let, Cena leaned into it. The others kind see, of you, didn't. Carry on letting Cena be Fugonomics. Mm. Oh, if you let him do that longer as champion, my lord. It really would you have know, been an interesting time. Forget us a lonely respect. I, mm. I say that. I took my daughters to that first show, um, and one of them went dressed as Becky Lynch, and this is before Becky Lynch was the man. Mm. Um, one of my daughters loved Becky Lynch. That is a massive Oscar fan. I think she's amazing. So they both dyed the hair. They, you know, the hair dyeing, both wore their little leather jackets. Because mm. at the time, I think they were about eight and they were really into it and they wanted it. And we went along and it was fantastic. It was great fun. Um, then she had a little Becky Lynch goggles on and she was all dead happy. And we got to see, get to see their heroes fight. It was fantastic. Great opening match from um, the Bludgeon Brothers and New uh, um, Day at the very beginning. Great show. They totally got into it. So Diesel and Bob Backlund, Madison Square yeah. Garden. When did you first see that? I saw it. I'll tell you exactly where I watched it. On Sky One on the Saturday catch-up show, which I'm quite sure was Todd Pendle. I think it was. They used to do special little bits, inserts for Sky Television. Yeah, yeah. and the thing was, important. it was the Saturday morning show. You had, you had oh God, something like Livewire and you had the... Report center or something. I can't remember what it was. We had two hours of wrestling on a Saturday morning, which was great. Dad would not, I, even though I offered to pay for Sky Sports, wouldn't get Sky Sports. So he used to listen to DFS, the DSSD, whatever it was, the German channel, um, because they would have the pay per views on. So you'd hear the play by play without paying for the pay per views. You'd hear it, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, so I'd have that. And then they'd have um, one of the German channels, we've got to be dead careful. Because after WCW finish went to smut, uh, really dodgy German like softcore porn. So you were like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, I'm watching the wrestling, honest dad. <laughs> That's what I'm watching. Um, you'd, you'd, you'd catch WCW. Then obviously, um, ENT, you had Night Raw and Raw. So we used to go to a friend's house and we would sit and have Raw parties and we'd watch, we'd watch Night Raw beforehand and we'd watch Raw. And Friday nights were great. And at that point, um, I was if I wasn't gigging, I was going to do that. And it was a much enjoyable Friday night sitting with late-minded friends, watching wrestling together and watching pay-per-views together. What was the general consensus around your mates of, of Diesel becoming WWF champion? Well, this is when they were starting to get back into it. I was saying to them, and they were starting to slowly slide back into it. Mm. And it was it was one of them was just going, well, he's not Bret Hart, is he? Not Bret Hart. I was going, yeah, I know. And I, at, that, at that point, I was kind of sick of Bret Hart. I never really bought it. Like, he's great and all that, but I never bought into the whole how fantastic Bret Hart is. I look back on his matches now and enjoy them more. But I was never a massive Bret Hart fan. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of kick-started as getting back into it and getting back into enjoying it. Just that one match is, uh, you know, I would take that over the Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart Iron Man match 
My lord, that is a boring match. Sorry, people can come. You're going to have to get some cable wire if you're going to hang us. Rope will not be strong enough. That match match is so boring. I paid for that interview. I watched it and I was annoyed. I love how much that match divides wrestling fans because oh. we in, on this show alone, we have had people like yourself saying it's the most boring overrated. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. And we've had people say it's one of the top three. It's yeah. it's incredible how it divides people. I think the, the one complaint I always have about it is that you you create this match, which is yeah. most pinfalls, the most uh, uh, most decisions within an hour, and you don't use it. Like mm. why even why why even create? I think the fact there's part of me that goes: Would that match have been remembered more fondly if it had just been set up as a one-on-one match that just happened yeah. to go to an hour draw? Yeah, they could have just thrown a couple of a couple of pinfalls in. It's a bit knowing the characters involved, Brett and Sean. Yeah. You can know yeah. both were reluctant to. Yeah. Talk of a loss. I refuse to lie down for you, and you yeah. refuse to lie down for me. I think I think they should have forgotten the one hour thing. Just had them one on one. Just have it go an hour, like yeah. that. It would have been every instead of and instead of people going, oh, what a boring Iron Man match. People have gone, oh my yeah. god, it went to a time yeah. limit draw. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, never it happened. It's a Broadway. It was amazing. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it just it's funny how twisting it like that. Like yeah. instead of having a bad casket, you just yeah. bring in a wheelie bin. What about Raw, the Raw match where you had Cena, Michaels, takes over the rest of the show? Mm, Still people that, talk about this this day. That is a great example because they had they even had stuff coming up on Raw in the second hour that yeah. they didn't get to because this yeah. match went the distance. I was like, and I still because it's still people talk about everyone. I was it was, so, it was so amazing. It was great. And it was was that in the UK? It was it was that London, was it was a UK um an episode the of the UK, uh, Raw. I'm quite sure it was one of them yeah. daft ones that the taxi cabs on the stage. <laughs> uh, because England. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's your, it's your hard man. He's going to walk out with a shotgun. Yes, that makes sense. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We got another match still to come. 
for your DVD. You got loads of space on your DVD. You could put an hour match on if you want. You put an hour match on if you want. We'll get to it in a bit, though. I have got a good. I have got a good one. I have got a good match. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you were proving your headmaster wrong. He said you wouldn't amount to anything in the world yep. of entertainment. You not only yeah. did you smash the stand-up world, headed south, uh, part of uh, a Saturday morning kids show. You ended up in a sitcom as well. People know you as Big Keith from Heaven. Yes, yes. What a so, dream. So I've done loads of little bits of TV and little, you know, like Bigger Groove and things like, not Bigger Groove, sorry, uh, the dumping ground and various shows like this and shot stuff up in the north of England and little horror films and little bits and pieces. And then um, there was uh, the TV show, uh, Jason Cook, who was a really good friend at the time, and Chris Ramsey, um, who been really good, really good friends, known each other since we started type of thing. Since Chris started, I used to give him lifts to gigs and he'd come around with me. And when you start off, it's a bit like when you're starting off doing something, you'll, you'll take like, you know, the old Japanese, the, the, sorry, the young boy. So you've got a young boy with you and you're going to take him along and you're going to start him off and you're going to get him on the happy gigs, but you'll start to get him on better matches and build him up. Well, standard works the same way. So you should always try to pull people up with you. So if I had a gig somewhere, I'd say to him or Carl Hutchinson or a host of other people saying, do you want to come along for the gig? And it's not going to cost you anything. I'm paying the petrol anyway, but you'll get on the bill and you may get 10, 15 quid. And normally they would say, well, here's a big for the petrol or whatever. They would get more experience and more stage time. And I've been with Chris, and at this point, Chris was just starting to get really big. And uh, Jason had written this part of Beef. And he had, um, he didn't, I, I don't know if he actually had me in mind, I had somebody else in mind. Um, and I got a phone call saying, can you come down? We're doing this show. And it was supposed to be me and Jason had walk-on parts. And we were literally just walk-on parts, walk-off parts. And uh, we did it at something called the Salford Sitcom Showcase, where it was Citizen Khan was on the Monday night. That one got commissioned. And you had two shows which went in front of the live audience, and whichever one got the best response came the sitcom. Uh, and they had BBC One, BBC Two, and then uh, BBC Three. We were in the BBC Two slot, and we won. And um, the people in the audience, uh, there was a group of people who were really, really nice. I thought were from a women's institute. Because that was the sort of people making up the audience. It turned out to be the deputy controller of the BBC at the time and the head of BBC Two. Wow. And um, I was I was joking on and laughing on with them, going, why do you think we should make this show? And I was going, oh, well, it's heartfelt. It's Jason writing about his family and that. And Ramsey's going, that's the controller of the BBC. I guess, no, man, it's not. <laughs> and uh, when they came to redo it, the, one of the things they said, we really like the big fella and the little fella. <laughs> the other fella. Um, so we got wrote in as regular characters. So it was really good. It was great fun getting to work with Vic Reeves, who was absolute hero of mine. Um, getting to work with Gina McKay, host of other people who were in the show as well. Um, Neil Granger and Vicky Elliott, uh, Lisa McGrillis, uh, obviously Jason and Chris, and, um, and and Neil Granger. I've got to mention him twice over the kickoff. And it was really good fun. Really, honestly, it it was just so much fun. And I got a load of little TV work off the back of that as well, which was nice. And then um, can you carry on doing the stand-up? And I was doing a chat show at the stand once a month, which was a charity show, so it was a live chat show. And my aim was I want to get on radio. I want to have my own show. I want to do something. And um, we had Alan Robson, one of the guests, the Flash and Blade, 
So Alan Robson is a is a northeast wrestler, uh, radio legend, legend who uh, who, uh, who uh, he's still technically on air on a Sunday. He is, he is uh, yeah. for forty plus years. Uh, did a show called Night Owls, and it's unheard of. Yeah, the the yeah. biggest phone in the north of England, or possibly in the all of England, and uh, it's it's unheard of to have a run like that. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Very well, much the great, the great mooter of late night calling. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but he changed the mist so many times. He spits a lot of mist. <laughs> he spits a lot of mist. Well, the thing was, he went on holiday and asked me and Jason to cover for him. And we did, and we had great fun. And um, we uh, terrorised the other shows. Steve and Karen were doing the breakfast show, and they had the Tombola of Doom, which was a Tombola, which they had a genuine sound. As you know, Tom, and radio, normally it's somebody with a sound effect. No, they had a full Tombola. I like the commitment which, to that, because I would have just gone with the sound effect. For well, exactly. Well, yeah, and what we did was I, I put a pot noodle in there one night for him for a laugh, and they kicked off. So then the next night, the um, <laughs> I didn't know you did we, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, ne- no, no. Next night we filled it with Doritos. Um, <laughs> we, we we probably end up spending about one hundred and forty quid sabotaging the tombola. I mean, um, it's worth it. And and Steve was laughing about it. Karen was getting really knocked off about it. And then the best one was. Spent £35 and got a, a massive bag of packing chips. We filled the entire tombola, so it didn't make any noise whatsoever. Oh. And, and uh, then raffled it off to a listener and um, hit it. They had to do it. Uh, Aaron had to go live on air and do it, um, a mystery hunt. We'd send clues in for her to find it. So, you know, you work in radio. This is this for me when I was, I wanted to work in radio. This is the fun. This is what everybody oh, gets up to. Oh, this is it. This is so the dream. People don't want to do that. People don't like that. You so, meet quite a few different characters in radio, and yeah. you meet some who who still love the craft. And there are and and I, I again I kind of treat radio in the same way that I, I treat wrestling. That mm. it's sometimes best when it's just inherently bollocks. Oh, and, yeah. and and the, and when you have fun with it, and you and you push the the the, the craft. And some people do take it very seriously, though. Yeah, I've had managers who've taken it very seriously. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's good fun. You're going to have fun. The mm. whole thing is, if you're enjoying yourself, you're enjoying yourself. And, um, I mean, we did one, the, the one which I got told not to do a game was Christmas Eve, I was doing the show, and Die Hard was on Channel 4. I was I was just doing shout-out. So, um, anyway, coming for Alan Robson when he did his phone-in, I mean, Jason did it, then I got asked back, and I did for about three years, Every time Alan Robson went on holiday and he took a lot of holiday, I got to cover for him. And so that's a big like, slot to go into somebody who is wanting to learn radio to cover the the, the biggest phone in show in the country. In the deep end. So yeah. I had a producer, the producer driving the desk to start with, and um, Tony Mack, who's an absolute legend, and he um, in at the deep end. We did that. Then it was me by myself because Jason had plumbing commitments and couldn't do stuff. And then I went for it for about three years, and then the BBC said, "Would you like to come and do breakfast?" Uh, for Alfie Joey, so I went in and covered for Alfie. And then I started doing a Sunday night and a Monday night when the late show on BBC Radio Newcastle and BBC Radio Tees uh, for Paddy McDee, who was starting towards a retirement. And uh, there again were big shoes to step into because he's another local legend. Mm. So couldn't do a phone-in show, couldn't do anything like that. Um, and with Corona, um, Alan showed went down to one night a week we had a, loads of people ringing in who were in a really bad state and needed help, so we switched it to a phone-in. And it's now just gone over a year of us doing the phone-in. 
and it's the most fun. I generally don't feel like I'm at work. It's great. It's, it's never know what you're going to get. And you just sort of casually and- slid into that role as the, 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 the lead talk show in the north of England. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. We, we try. Try. No, you well, hear I'm it. You can I'm hear it. now as well, and we get, we, you never know what you're going to get, which is a great thing. I think there's something magical about that, though, about that sort of radio that's very oh, yeah. op- open, open plan, and you we, just throw open the phone lines and see where do we go. We had a woman on, we had a guy came on who uh, we said, "What do you want to apologise for?" Um, and he wanted to apologise. So you've got from something as serious as a suicide phone call because somebody's at the wits end, which would never on air would take them off air. We had went from something as serious as that. Who the next night we had somebody ringing in, um, what do you want to apologize for? And this guy wanted to apologize because he blamed his wife. The dog had basically farted. Um, and he blamed his wife for the smell and was angry with his wife for her blaming the dog. And then he said, I want to apologize because I took the dog out today and the dog made the same smell and my wife was nowhere near. <laughs> <laughs> After such a serious two nights, I had to play a record because and I don't know, we play lots of records. I ended up cracking up and I just, I lost it. There's, <laughs> there's three minutes of me and producer Liam just laughing. We kind of held ourselves and just trying to get the story out. And I, the problem is I should always read the text before I read them out and I hadn't. Schoolboy error that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. The worst <laughs> thing was she came on um, last night and uh, Angela, is Dennis and Angela, um, Angela came on, she goes, just want to say, by the way, I've forgiven them. However, we went to a beer garden where they live and people came up going, was that you? She was talking about. And the barmaid in the pub actually was listening and said, she was, he or Dennis was terrible about you. Well, you, it was him. <laughs> um, so you get stupid things like that. And to be honest with you, that, that still had me tickled the nail, that. Radio is still that sort of medium. And, oh. and, I'm, and I know there'll be people who will, have this wrestling podcast and they'll roll their eyes a bit because i know it's yes. a it's a topic that i come back to a lot because radio is my other passion to wrestling and i make yeah. no, no no secret oh, of it. exactly and and it for yourself because like we kind of got into into radio in very different ways because i kind yeah. of went through the sort of the conventional route you of, did like, the proper I, way well there's no proper way and this is the this is the conversation like because there was the way that i got in was i i went i did community radio shows my yeah. first my first paid job was reading travel news in Shropshire, yeah. Yeah. and and i just sort of worked I'd my way done, into the room i'd done community radio years ago mm. and I, I tried that out because i always want to work in it i always want to work in it and there wasn't lots of opportunities in community radio and stand-up seemed the more interesting thing. So I did that. But you, basically, you have went and worked the territories. You've worked at Grafter. And then I've just won um, Diva Search. So <laughs> that, that, that is, uh, that's, that's, I'll get a minute for you. I have got the Diva's table. <laughs> I am the Bella Twins. I am the Bella Twins to your Daniel Bryan. That is how it works. Learn how to work, brother. Uh, <laughs> oh. that's, that's, I've never heard it more poignantly put. That's, that's, as well. But the but the difference is is there are some people that win the diva search and they they phone it in and they they eke out they they take the paycheck and they do the bare minimum. Some win it and go, I want to. Freaking kill it at this! I would, I would like, and to you're think in that, that I category. Victoria. I would like to think I am Victoria. 
You're Victoria. Starting off as a bump and hoe. Starting off as one of the godfathers who, who could do both. Who then trained and worked very, very hard. And I've got to be honest with you, Victoria was one of the best women's wrestlers. Mm. Um, bridging the gap between now and what was. Yeah, she she she's very much that. Uh, Mickey James, AJ Lee, Bridge. Yeah. And well, you're gonna loads of people go for Beth Phoenix and people like that, and yeah, very much so. But Victoria was so bloody good, she, she grafted and grafted. When you find out the stories of Molly Holly as well, mm. I think a lot, a, a lot of people write off that, that era, but some of them were amazing. Some of the matches were, you know, horrible, some of them were really bad. And you had people who were there purely on looks, but there was a lot of talent there who just didn't get a chance. You know, that kind of, that really, I would love to see now, when Victoria came back in the Rumble, I was like, oh, fantastic. And, you know, she got her spots in and got some bits and pieces, but I'm like, God, imagine what she would do now. You want to see her mix it up now, don't you? Oh, yeah. She would be Becky Lynch if she was there now. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of a thing which we've discovered over the last couple of weeks. There's like a disconnect between sort of, seemingly discrepancy sort of male legends of the wrestling world and female legends of the wrestling world because Mickey James is somebody who quite obviously has so much still to give yeah in, in so. ring outside of the ring and yeah. sort of the way that she was sort of dismissed of her duties what, the, the trash bag oh, the whole the whole hefty bag hefty yeah. bag gate and all that and it just there seems a disconnect and we do see people like Victoria and Molly Holly come back for those one shots during a rumble but I feel like you, you can pepper that women's division with a few more legends. Yeah. You've got Natalia and Tamina. And that's in terms yeah. of like those long term yeah. legends, you know, we, we've got an amazing present and future in there. Uh, Trish Stratus, when she popped back at SummerSlam to face yeah. Charlotte Flair, that yeah. felt really special. And, as well, yeah. 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 I feel like there's, there's, you, you can do more with, with well, the legends of women. I think, you, defi- I think women. you definitely could. I am going to say this, isn't it? and you're going to get people kicking off. Mm-hmm. The um, the women's roster on WWE is better than the men's. Sorry, it's far more interesting. It's better booked, I think. Although you do get it start, you can you can tell there's fingers all over it where people are taking in daft directions. Mm. But so so much of the work rate and so much how everybody's going, I'm, I get blown away by it. I think it's some fantastic stuff. There is there is some phenomenal workers there, and um, there's... here's the great thing though. Here's the great thing, right? So I've got two daughters who are uh, still really enjoy watching. When mm. I'm watching, they'll come in and watch. They don't see the male or the female roster; they just see the wrestlers. Yeah, and that is going to show you how different it is now. How different it's viewed, and the same with our friends. Our friends at school, um, there's the you know. Because they like wrestling, they're a bit strange to some of the lads. Like, oh, they like wrestling. But there's a couple of their friends who are who are massively into it, and they're the same. They don't see there's a difference. It's just the kids. Oh, well, they're wrestlers. You mm. know, so it's, it's really nice to see that moving forward that way. And like this, like Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair going on last yeah. night, one of WrestleMania. That was well for me. That was the right choice to yeah, have go on definitely, last. Definitely. Best match, one of the best match. I think the best match of the night. I yeah. think the right result, the right way to sort of end night one, if night I two is going to be all the bad I guys winning. You, I told you I wasn't going to watch Mania. Mm-hmm. Um, you did. And, I, and again, do you know what it is? I watched a couple of highlighted matches. Mm. I had a friend. 
in their garden looking through the window because of COVID. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was nicking off the stereo shop window. But I saw it that I went to a friend to give him a hand and he had he had the he had the network and put it on. I watched I watched that match. I watched two minutes of the fiend and Randy Orton. Why? Um, so you watch so you watch all of the fiend and randy why did they do that i'm baffled watched a couple of other matches i heard a lot of you know the the results and the reviews and all that um and yeah i got i'm just not interested like i said to you there's not anything it was the first mania where it's there is nothing there which is going to make us go i want to watch that match i knew belair and banks is going to be amazing I knew Cesaro and Rollins was going to be great. I tell you what, I really, really miss me, mate. Is um, he, he, I've since went on YouTube to watch because it's been taken off. Rollins cutting that promo at the, at the beginning of night one. Yeah. Rollins being not Rollins, it was great. Rollins promo, Owens promo from from the from the oh, rain delay. He stole the show. Stole the show. So good. So He's good. like the the thing is right, and we've with the time of recording, we've talked about this earlier. Uh, yeah. We've had now we're now three weeks removed from WrestleMania. We've had three pretty miserable episodes of Monday Night. Raw. I read the results and heard the re- reviews. Yeah, and there's people in the work chat and around and elsewhere that have compared it to like 1995, the new generation yeah. era, which is considered yeah. the worst. And, and and the fact that people are making that comparison, I genuinely think the company should be ashamed of itself because mm. in 1995, it was a bad year for the company and they had an awful roster on the whole, a really yeah. weak roster. Yeah. There was there was so lacking in that star power. At this point in time, in 2021, WWE has the best roster oh. it's ever had, the yes. most talent it's ever had, and you're, and you're being compared to 1995, your worst year. Yeah. That's yeah. embarrassing. It, There's it, a it, massive it, problem it, somewhere. What really, what really bothers me as well is, uh, I mean, mate, so we just went through the releases. Okay. Hmm. The surprises, everybody surprises Samoa Joe. Unfortunately, um, Booker and people like that lost in the mix. But so many people there where there's not really anything with or they've not pushed. Um, Alistair Black, kind of wait, I don't know where they're going to go with him. When Alistair Black comes back on, I might start watching Raw again. Because hmm. I tell you what, I believe in Alistair Black. When yeah. I see Alistair Black wrestle, I. I Viking Raiders, I'll watch it. Oh yeah. Now it's not just the big guy stuff; it's the technical things. Daniel Bryan, the Daniel Bryan match was amazing. I love that. Mm. Braun Strowman, as I sit with a Braun Strowman t-shirt on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've actually got a Braun t-shirt on. That match at Mania, for goodness' sake! <laughs> oh come on! I um, people call us dumb. So you're talking about the really guy, the guy who wears one of your legs is called you dumb, and we are supposed to get behind you. Oh, okay. It was, uh, it was, it was, there's, there's so much that can be fixed and mm. I don't know what it'll take. I think it's, it's very much embedded, the company's very much embedded in a certain direction now. Yeah. It's at a, unfortunately, the company's at a point now where it will make money despite what it does. It's that it, as well, but I have to be honest, AEW, mm. there's so many things on there that I watch. And here's the thing, look, I'm, I'm sitting here, people are going, Chris, he's a right winch. What does he know? No, I'm no, but fan. this is true. Yeah, we're, this, this is like, this is like a football phone in, in the UK where yeah. you'll get someone called up and go, all right, Tom, the villa, the villa were crap. The villa were yeah. crap today, Tom. I was, I'm going to burn my season ticket when I get home. Anyway, I'll be back down the road on Saturday. I'll see you then. <laughs> it's that, isn't it? It's that. It's when, you find, when you find yourself agreeing, I actually find myself, and this is going to, yeah, is going to be me salting the earth for a lot of people. I actually agree with a lot of what Jim Cornette says. 
when he's talking about some of the other matches, when he's actually discussing some of the other matches, what he's saying is spot on. What he's saying mm. is really the work rate and the way people are. are um, the the Darby Allen, um, we just had Darby Allen Jungle Boy. First of all, why are we having Darby Allen Jungle Boy? Why is everybody in a massive group? Why is there so many groups? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in like Sting, Sting and uh, Luchasaurus fighting off, I was like, "Well, oh, come on, no!" As soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, why? Why have you done that? Why?" I, I don't want to see Sting fight Luchasaurus. Everyone's frightened of Sting though, because he's legend. <laughs> but why? He's got COVID on the end of his bat. <laughs> Stay away! Stay Come away! I'm going to cut on you. Oh no! Oh, unless they've gone, do you know what? It's this is this is a difficult time when you're of a certain age. So we all want to keep away from Sting because he's a national treasure. So yeah. we don't want to give him anything. So we're all keeping our distance from Sting. Well, keep away from powerhouse Hobbs. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's a spreader. That's what they're doing. <laughs> that's that's why we're keeping the Sting away from. The thing is, though, the the bit which really gets me, and I really look, I really enjoy it. I love it. Right, I love wrestling. I mm. love watching it. I'm sitting here, I'm pulling bits apart, but every time I will find something that I go, yeah, that's really good. I've really enjoyed that, right? If you're not enjoying it and it's really as bad as switch off, that's what I've done. I've switched yeah. off on watching. And you know what? Uh, I haven't lost anything. I'll go back to it with passion. I know I'm never going to ever stop watching wrestling. I've just went and start watching something different, right? Mm. And uh, I'm not stuck in the past. Uh, it's not a case of... You know, oh, too many people are doing flips, too many people are doing that. I agree. I think there's too many big moves in AEW. And there's no... I mean, Dark is great because you actually get some squash matches. I don't think there's anything the matter with having a squash match every once in a while. No. But the the, the people who they have there, I mean, what they've done with Miro, it just... I don't is, think they know. <laughs> yeah. Miro's amazing. He's so good. And... <laughs> It's just they've stuck him, and I'm like, and that's when you start going, going, you know, actually, Cornet's got a point there. Although he's said lots of very derogatory things about that, but the the fundamental of what he's saying, I actually go, yeah, he's got a point. But it's, I mean, where do you stand on the AEW? Do you think it's Tony Khan's? Do you think it's I, fantasy booking, or do you think it's a case of he's? Well, you know what the thing is, I because of the nature of what we've been doing over the last. Couple of years at, yeah. at Cultaholic, I tend to have because of the Wednesday night thing. I've been watching NXT, so Thursday I've been watching, reviewing it, or overnight or Thursday I've been watching and reviewing NXT. So I've only really had time to sort of catch snippets of AEW. Yeah. But now that we are no longer doing graded, yeah. I've now got the time to watch AEW. So I'm I'm withholding too much judgment until I'm sort of embedded in the product because I, the yeah. way when I watch it, I see a lot of sort of hot shotted stuff. And it's, things, things yeah. that could potentially, if given time, be great. But I think we've been running so hot with NXT yeah. and AEW that everybody needs to get something in week by week. Whereas now they're not running against each other. You can have this long-term storytelling yeah, option. That whole, the whole inner circle versus the pinnacle. Mm. You know, I would keep Jericho off for a couple of weeks or a month or two months or something like that and let them run rampant, let them, you know, establish themselves. Not like... There's a week and then all of a sudden they're back. For me, there's just too many factions. There's too many there's too many groups. Nobody. Do you know what? If you had a Sting figure came in now, mm. Sting did against the NWO, and hang on, 
the problem being is now, when when they kind of did the NWO thing, you know, it got watered down that you had LWO, you had the Wolf Pack, you know, you had various different offshoots of it. And that kind of, at times I feel like that's what AEW is now. Mm. There's all these, you know, there's these little groups and all that. It's that same same energy. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And um, MGF is amazing. Mm. Really love the, the revival or whatever you want to call them now, right? Um, I I, re, I I think there could be a lot of work in there with them. I think they could be, you know, a really good unit to see them go forward. But it's kind of like maybe maybe you should have had them not go against Cody, but have them go against a clear face first. Um, it would have just, made sense rather than uh, unless unless we get the match between them both and it ends up with the pinnacle just completely washing the floor yeah. with in a circle and then they're gone for a while and then we get the yeah. running wild thing and then we this, get to that we've got this blood and guts match coming up mm. and i've got to be honest with you they've got the work and now you've got i see you've got the revival in there you've, i mean santana doing a um and I've said his name wrong, I don't care. Okay, I've said it wrong. Mm. I don't care. I'm from the northeast of England. I pronounce things wrong all the time. His promo last week, Jesus, please give him the mic. Well, I would much rather watch any of them rather than watch Jericho make another speech. Because I tell you what, there's everybody else there. Even when they did the horseman, Flair would do the main speech, but you'd have on another shot. Um, they even give Sid the mic. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, they didn't get it right all the time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have Wardlow. We'll have Wardlow doing an interview. It's uh, it was all right, actually. That bit with Wardlow. That yeah, yeah I, I quite enjoyed it. I quite he enjoyed. Was, it. He was all right, but you feel like with AEW that anybody's got the possibility, the potential to to oh, very much on. So. You don't get that with WWE. You kind of get yeah. that this is what we're doing. If anybody veers from that, we'll we'll bring we'll rein them in. You yeah. get the vibe that if something catches on with AEW, they'll run with it. You yeah. know, and they'll and and if it goes somewhere, then great. If it doesn't, then I like I like where the kind of all right. Okay, dog order hasn't worked. Let's try and do something different with it. Mm. Tell you what, they're getting over. They're getting over by sheer um, fact. Brody Lee, rest his soul, and with everybody else in there, but that they're, they're working. And I tell you what, there's not one person out of that who isn't. I don't think they're not trying the hardest. And I know a lot of people. Like Evil Uno and and you know that whole thing. Tell you what though, they've turned on a dime what they're doing. They've really went in a different direction. Grafton, mm. they're trying to be the best they can be. I don't think that group on the card is you know there's so much potential that people come through now. I've, I've got to be honest with you. I've, I've actually been watching quite a few episodes of Dark. Some great matches on there. If I've yeah. got some on, I'll put it on in the background. This is me not watching WWE. I'll put that on in the background because there's some cracking talent in there. There's people who's who's uh, caught your eye on dark. People like Hobbs. Mm. When they're letting when they're letting the individual teams, the people you do not see, um, Star Avalon is not the world's greatest wrestler. However, he's entertaining. I enjoy him. I enjoy watching him work. I enjoy watching him have a bit of fun. The guy who is busy, oh, is, Benet, is it Benetti the guy's with at the moment? Mm-hmm. Um, him, Cesar Benoni. Cesar Benoni, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Cesar Benoni, 
I'll tell you what, they've got some up with him. He's green. He's green on the Kermit's backside, but I'll tell you what, he's got a presence. He looks the business. He can work to a good level. Um, I'm really excited at this moment in time to see what they're going to do. And I know this is going to get some people going, really? But the team opposing Cody Rhodes, the Nightmare family at this moment in time, the, the, the new workers they've got there, the new people coming through from the gym, you can see why they push them a bit. They probably don't need to be on TV, but getting YouTube, okay. Mm-hmm. But the greatest thing for me for Dog is I'm getting to see lots of independent, um, the people I've just read about or I've seen an impact on the um, ladies wrestling scene who have not had a chance. I mean, um, Velvet is bloody hell. Red Velvet is, wow. She's been doing dark matches and she's been doing stuff. And now she's up in the, with Jade Cargill. Obviously, everybody's laughing about Jade Cargill because she's, she's getting pushed. But I tell you what, that lass is grafting as well. Mm. And it, it's dead easy to mock and it's really easy to do that. But they're looking for somebody. I mean, I really feel like they, um, they fumbled with uh, Britt Baker. Britt Baker could be a lot more than she is. Mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa's there at the moment in time. And half the time you're getting matches from... People who, you know, on 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 nit- well, on nitro as it as it should be called on dynamite, they'll get a twenty minute match, but it's kind of like oh, it's the same numbers. To when you watch AJ, we tell me how many times you've seen the same moves in a match. Mm-hmm. And after the next match on the card, will have the same moves, and it'll be the big, the big, the, sorry, the you know, the big spots. They'll do the exact same thing, and I'm like, nobody. When they're booking this, are they not saying to them? This is this is where WWE kind of comes into its own a little bit in the sense that they there is that attention to detail with stuff that WWE has. Like it's we've talked about it before, and some people rally against it, but it's the fact that they'll they'll make sure that nobody's doing similar spots like one match after the other. Like everybody will speak to each other about what they're doing and where they're at and the pace of the yeah. show. You feel like because everybody is 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 given a lot more creative freedom. There isn't somebody corralling it to make sure that it kind of fits with the narrative. They're just going out and doing whatever stuff they want to do, and that's great to an extent. It is, but there has to come a point where you you kind of have a little bit of direction yeah. to yeah. the show. Otherwise, it just feels like a lot well, of bits. It's it's this moment in time. Um, all right. I'm looking at what I watched two weeks ago. I made a note. I made a note because I had a feeling you may try and spring this one of us. All right. So, um, for me, so Ryan Nemeth, amazing. Mm-hmm. Really like him. You know, Dolph's little brother. He's great. Yeah. And all he's done is put people over. All he's done is in there, in a heel. He's a great heel. But he's a great Fantastic. heel, yeah. Back country. Jesus. Yeah, back country. Hey. I really, really like them. I thought they were good. Um, for me, uh, the other one which I really, uh, I really, really enjoyed um, was um, oh, where's it? In a lot of it. Uh, oh, I did make a note of this. Two seconds. Two seconds. Um, Oliver Bates, the, the librarian character, yeah, who's never had any. Oliver Blue Pants NXT. <laughs> We know what she can do. Remember when she was blue pants in NXT? Amazing. Yeah, just brilliant. Which and is not, and there's and not enough exposure, not enough exposure so far in AEW. I don't think. Yeah, 
But energy as well. Energy is definitely somebody who I'm enjoying watching. Uh, mainly, it's uh, watching dark. Elevation as well. It, it's it's they they are interesting shows to watch. You get Taz's commentary on dark, so that's the. He's a treat, isn't he? He's a treat, that guy. Oh, he's he's. Do you know? I I always loved it when Matthew, when Matthew called him an umpa lumpa, and then had to had to kind of he felt really bad for it afterwards. And I was just because you remember speaking after Matthew, he's going, yeah, I felt really bad about that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I like I, I get I get the vibe that one day they're going to come to blows in a good way in a good way. <laughs> See, I I would genuinely be terrified of Taz. <laughs> genuinely would be terrified. I always remember we went to see um, the, the Australian Australian. Um, oh, there was you know when WCW folded and there was one of these new promotions and it was Sabu uh, Steiner. Oh, was there one called World Wrestling All Stars? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, it was Jeff Jarrett, right? And at the time, the IWF was going, and there was a lot of there was a lot of people who came out of Jeff shows, and um, somebody had <laughs> Steiner came in the ring, right? Somebody had a saying in the audience. One of one of one of the one of the lads as a joke had Steiner fears the judge, and Steiner got in the ring, and I was going, man down. <laughs> I, I genuinely just remember looking at Scott Steiner going, I am physically terrified of this man. <laughs> I'd heard all the stories about him. And this lad, who was a man of he was going, No, 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 put it down. Put it down now. It's not funny. If if you'd uh, if if it come to it and you'd gone face to face with Scott Steiner. I would have faked judge- death. Me- I would have faked death. <laughs> I, I would have I would have done I would have clutched my chest and fallen to the floor. Um, I would have Jesus man, the guy's terrified. He's physically the thing is you see Scott Steiner on TV, then you see Scott Steiner, because we were right at ringside, and you see Scott Steiner and he's like he's seven feet away from you, and you see the spittle come out of his mouth when he's cut the promo, and I was like I have not been scared by many things, right? I have done gigs for squaddies. And it's like that, you know, that speech at the end of Blade Runner when um, oh, Rutger Hauer's dying and he goes, you know, I've seen sea beams in space and I've seen all that, you know, I've seen a, a, a van full of hen, a Hindu van on, on fire on the side of the M62. I've seen all these things. All these things will be gone like tears in the rain. But Scott Steiner scares the living shit out of me. Terrifying, terrifying. One guy who doesn't terrify you, and we haven't mentioned this yet, and I feel like we have to because this is an event occurred a few years ago, Stefan, that married your loves of stand-up and wrestling because you supported Mick Foley on his tour in the UK. Yeah, I did. I got to support Mick Foley. and Drop that little bombshell in there. Yeah, well, it was was very nice uh, to actually meet Mick Foley, who was one of my heroes, and... I'll be honest with you, is missing from my list. He's not in my last match because uh, there was so many. I nearly went with Michaels versus uh, Mick Foley. Main games in your house, which I still think is Mick Foley's greatest ever match. Mm. Uh, and one of Shawn Michaels' best matches as well. Yeah, I got to support Mick Foley on tour and did a couple of dates with him, which was great fun. And that opened uh, the floodgate with a couple of promoters and Support for um, Roddy Paper, Dallas Page, Bret Hart, um, Holly, amongst others. 
which has been really good. So it's get get see never get to meet your heroes. It was great getting to meet Mick Foley, and he turned out to be exactly Mick Foley. So good. Which was so nice, so nice to actually just go, wow, you are who you see you are. Any can you remember any kind of interactions you guys had whilst you were well doing the opening well, bit? I wanted to get me photo with Vera, had me Vera mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to get it, and he was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, going, "You want to get up, wear that?" And I was like, "Yeah, oh, I'm going." To. So I went on, and, and my my um, me set uh, was one of the shows I did with Mick, and it was his second tour, and we were in Sheffield uh, Sheffield Town Hall, uh, big the city hall, and I went on, and I said, "Look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, one of my other heroes." Isn't a big name. Isn't anybody who really made a fantastic career for themselves? It's the Playboy Jimmy Del Rey um, from the Heavenly Bodies. I love the Heavenly Bodies, right? I really enjoy the Heavenly Bodies. Yeah, jiggle out. And Jimmy. when Jimmy Del Rey did his stripper pose and dance <laughs> with and that ginger hair on his chest, ginger hair on his chest, Just... and wow. came off and did it in Mickey Beat stand that said he when he was. Wasn't the nicest to people. <laughs> oh. and, and, I went, and I went, I went, all right. He went, he goes, he's a nice guy, but he, you know, he goes, yeah. And I said, I goes, I loved it when he did that. And he went, yeah, yeah. He goes, no. The thing was, Mick would stand by the side of the stage and would take not, not notes, but he'd watch how people were doing things. And he watched how people were doing it. And he, he was always asked and ask you know questions on how, how was the best way to deal with this. The guy was a natural straight away. Mm. Um, and I did support for Bret Hart on quite a few nights and I was doing autograph signing. His son Blade was running around. And um, there's one thing I used to do was, you know, you get the, they call them America, the cootie catchers, which is where you get the bit of paper and you go pick a number and, and then you move the paper. It's like a little square thing, one, two, three, four. And I'd say pick a colour, red. And you go R-E-D and you spell it red and you say, right, pick a flap and you open the flap and it's got you love such and such or whatever, you know. Well, I was doing one of them where it was the, the Vince Russo booking. Um, so, you know, I get somebody to pick a number, I get somebody to do that, and then you pull out whatever stipulation it was. It was all made up on the spot, and I used the same one. I did, I did the ECW booking roster, the WWF booking roster, and, and Vince Russo's booking roster. Um, and this guy in the front this guy in the front row when he goes, kind of lies, he goes, you're using the same bit of paper every time. And at that point... It hard, absolutely killed himself laughing. <laughs> the first time he'd laughed at anything. Oh. And then he went over and I went to Bret Hart. He just went, he went, yeah, because I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. And I was like, well, you enjoyed what me having the guy realise. He went, he goes, yeah, he goes, I like the Vince Russo stuff as well. I was like, all right, thanks. And I'd, I'd what, what does Bret Hart look like when he laughs? Honestly, he's got a great, like, he's got a great nutty laugh. I'm trying to think if I've ever... Heard him laugh, and was, I don't think really I have. Serious. Yeah. Thing, well, I was doing like twenty minutes beforehand, and you know, it's um, you know, it's wrestling audience, and they've had other comedians on going. Who's who's been to, who's ever touched a girl? Hey. And stuff like that. And, you know, come on, hello, let's be honest with you. Yeah, going on. I talk about what I love about wrestling, and I talk about why I really enjoy it, and some of the worst, worst, you know. Worst things you've ever seen. Let's let's book a card now. Let's come up with the worst wrestler you can create, and get people to create stuff and do wrestle crap live type of thing. Mm. And people, you know, people get into it. It's good fun. Um, 
it's really nice when you can when you can drop a joke in about um, you know, the Jeff Jarrett China match and know the audience are going to get that joke. Yeah, and you can be as geeky and cliched as you want to. It's a nice feeling. To... <laughs> well, I've pal, just like that, you know. Although that was my highlight of AEW was uh, Doc Gallows in the. I don't know if you've seen last week's AEW when um, which one? Moxley, where they attacked the uh, the elite in that trailer. Oh, I haven't seen it. I know the bit, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Just beforehand, they've been in there, and uh, Doc Gallows are doing this interview thing, and Doc Gallows just does a "Hey, well, I have pal." I was like, <laughs> right, that again. It's them just being left, just to yeah, do their own thing. Leave them do what they have. Leave them do what they have. I suppose I better give you my last match. Well, before we do, yeah. uh, we also like to spring upon people. Uh, who are coming to the island as oh, well as as well as three wrestling? Yeah, I would have thought you'd have known this bit. I do. Do but I've been so worried about the matches. <laughs> well, you um, are needing as well as three wrestling matches to take with you a movie, an album, yeah. and a luxury item. So um, a movie, like movie I would take. Movie I would take would be uh, the Blues Brothers because I love it. One of my favorite films of all time. Love John Belushi. Um, an album I would take with me would be one of them really bad 90s compilation albums, um, which would have to have Creed My Sacrifice on. Oh, um, what just, a shit. Oh, just such a. And you are with me. I'm free. The <laughs> Everyone does a Scott Stapp impression. Everybody, everybody, everybody climbs on something, tends a Scott, tends a Jeff Hardy with their arms back. <laughs> so that thing was, though, that My Sacrifice video. Was so much. How many people got kickstarted by that video? Oh, goosebumps! Goosebumps! Two thousand November, so. November two thousand one. Yeah, did they do yeah. it? Uh, the, Creed, my sacrifice. Oh, it's the thing is, beauty. So, Creed are a terrible band. <laughs> that song is a terrible song. However, I cannot hear it without thinking. In the goosebumps now. Yeah. Hello, my friend. We yeah. meet again. It's like you're there. You're a bit, yeah. yeah exactly. It's a feel of a live event without the live event. Yeah. So I would have that on there. Um, and by the way, can I just say, Rikishi's version of "Bad Man" is a fantastic rap song. It's a good song, actually. It's Under, a great song. Underrated. Uh, I didn't like. Tune. I didn't like his um, "Back That Ass Up" song. Not my favorite. However, "Bad Man" is a great song. Bad man. Um, and. Uh, Item I would take with us would be a spork because hey, can I get wrong with a spork? A sp- so a spoon fork combo. Yeah, because you can you can do all sorts of that, and <laughs> hey, you can do all sorts. You hollow a canoe, um, use it to uh, shine it up so you can use it as a magnifier to try and start a fire, um, and scratch it back. Eat soup or pasta. There you go. It's you a versatile soup. Soup is, soup is you got to be in a very small angle. But that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> who who invented the spork? Is it quite relatively Some, new? I, I really hope it's somebody like Dave Spork, but it's not. It's uh, <laughs> Keith Spork. Keith Spork. Keith Spork. I've I, googled I, I, it. Have a Google and see. It goes back to 1874. Oh my lord! Um, the uh, in the US, patents for sporks have been issued. Uh, the oldest one being from February the third, 1874. Um, uh, in, 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 hi, oh, it doesn't actually give a name. Oh, hang on. Um, patents, ah, Samuel W. Francis. 
Oh. Was the inventor of the modern spork. So there you go. The more you How, know. Here's one for you. How long did it take for can openers to be invented after people started using cans? Oh, it's going to be something like 50 years, isn't it? 20, something like 20 odd year. Oh. It's so stupid like that. Decided to stop stabbing tins with a yeah. knife. That's it. Uh, most lethal <laughs> weapon you could ever had. Seriously, New Jack versus a tin of corned beef. The guy would be <laughs> lacerated. If you if you if you're sitting there, what is the deadliest <laughs> weapon you can take along? I'm gonna give New Jack a, a corned beef tin. <laughs> they are terrible. So are they the people. ones the ones that have the little the key, pull? The key. Yeah, the key pull thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, if you want to, you want to joke when I talk about this on stage. But uh, yeah, this is a one a year supply of corned beef, <laughs> which sadly is it's true stories. True story. I won it in newspaper competition, and I won three hundred sixty six tins. Not because it was a leap year, just to give you an extra tin for Christmas Day. Oh. And, um, um, so my ex left, and we've gone through so many of them. There's only so many things, that corned beef. <laughs> and I ended up with sixty four tins of corned beef. And I thought, right, okay, when I get the lowest point, because I was sick of eating corned beef, when I get the lowest point, I hit rock bottom, I've still got tins of corned beef. And it was about a year to the day she'd left, and I went to go have some, and she'd taken the key off every single tin. Oh, my God, that is sinister. Yeah, I was. I, I, I remember sitting crying on my kitchen floor going, why? <laughs> it's just... Well, oh, imagine the, the, the state of the, the, the way that relationship ended, to be so... Yeah. to be so vindictive oh, as to remove the key yeah. from the corned beef. Yeah, it's one. I talk about it on stage now, and it's it's uh, it's one of those it's one of those things. I've got a new a new show coming out this year because it was supposed to be out last year called Impossible Man, and it's all. Um, so I've had a life where I, I seem to be what what's known as a nutter magnet. So if it's going to be um, if something daft's going to happen or something weird, it normally happens near us. Um, but when we started doing the family tree, we found out that I am not the only one. So if you if you've watched the terror, the Ridley Scott about the um, Antarctic expedition, yeah, I know of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Doctor Robert Petty is my great 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 grandfather. Oh wow! And we followed the family tree back. And if you go through the family tree, it's it's crackers. It's like well, like blackadders, man. Has there been anything major has gone wrong or some serious thing? There's been a petty, normally they've got out of it. Um, so I was like, right. So that's what the new that's what the new show's about. So that'll be going on to a probably later this year, next year. So that'll be have good. you found doing the live shows via Zoom? Because I know you've been doing a few of those during that's the strange the to be honest. With you. I did one on Friday. I did one on Friday, which was nice because it was me, um, me nickname problem show. And that's where everybody comes along and they write the problem, and I'll just make the show up around that. And it's fully improvised, so that's great for me because there's nothing you've got to learn, and it's just all daft stories. And half the time, some of them, some of them can be wrestling related, and or we've done it uh, for con- geek conventions where it's been sci-fi conventions, and it's all been sci-fi related questions. So you just work it around what you, you know what you love and all that. Um, they have been great. However, I miss having a live crowd, and I can only feel it's kind of. I think my love of wrestling will return when there's a crowd there. Hmm. I think really a lot struggle. of people have been the same and it's been, and that's part of the reason why Raw has been difficult to watch or it's been dreadful on the whole, but yeah. it, the, that, that lack of organic reaction has, has yeah. they, they've done the best. Like some of the guys like Drew McIntyre, bless him. God oh, love Drew McIntyre. I really do. Like it's the, it's, he's only performed in front of a live crowd like once as, as W uh, what, since becoming WWE champion. Yeah. And, 
and but he's carried that company during that weird time. He, yeah. you know, no one, no one gave it more socks than Drew oh, did in all these different instances. But it's a tough watch, especially when you know that it's it's it, it detracts when you know for a fact that the the crowd are chanting "This is awesome" because Kevin Dunn has pressed a button oh. that's labelled "This." Can I just awesome. say, by the way, the Marcarano's just come right. <laughs> In, why is it all the backroom people like Kevin Dunn in the photo always look like they've been photographed but they've just been walked in doing something they shouldn't right? <laughs> it's, it's always they like, all like look guilty news, yeah it's like a news of the world reporter has just jumped in and went ah I've just caught you with your pants down or something like that <laughs> that picture of Mark Carano generally looks like the vicar's just broke into his house going what are you doing it's it's <laughs> it, it, Every, not one of Kevin Dunn. There must be more photos of Kevin Dunn rather than the Bucky Beaver shot. He doesn't like taking photos, so there's there's hardly well, any. I'll them after the ones with Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not an oil pit, but <laughs> Jesus. Ah, he's, he's he doesn't want like even on the WWE website where they've got all the corporate pictures. There isn't a picture of Kevin Dunn. Like it's just it's just like the the holding picture but there's nothing of kevin dunn he doesn't like his picture being taken but they all look like that there's a there's a weird awkwardness about all those people in, in an industry which is which yeah. is proud of being like out in front of the camera there's the a wonderful awkwardness well, to people I've behind heard, the I've scenes heard of Carano, but i've never seen a picture of them till i saw that i was like well i don't know i don't know any proof but looking at that photo that man's guilty <laughs> he it's, looks shifty. He looks so shifty. I was like, he's probably a lovely bloke, but they went, yeah, release that one. He looks he looks like he's just murdered some puppies. Put that one out. <laughs> I feel like with the the whole with the, the, the hefty bag thing, bin, yeah. trash bag gate, I feel yeah. like it's something that I don't feel like there was any malice in it. I think it's just something that's been done by somebody with a lack of social grasp. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. do. I think someone's just I, gone, I, we yeah, need to send this stuff back. Raised. I think somebody hasn't really thought about it, who hasn't yeah. really thought, hasn't really got that connection socially. Just gone, we need to send Mickey stuff back. Oh, we've got that sponsorship deal with Hefty Bags. There's a whole bunch of bags. I'll just pop it yeah. in one of those. That'd be great. That'd be great if he said that. Everyone. Right, okay. Yeah, and he was just like, I don't understand. I sent it, and like, and they say it's about you sending this stuff back in. You can imagine them sat down with her going, Look, you sent Mickey James's stuff back in a bin bag, and she's not happy. And you go, Oh, why did I forget something? Like, did I? I can imagine that. What what I I want to know is, what I want to know is because Nick Aldis put a pull up because there was another box to it. Oh, yeah. It was never revealed what was in that box. And I'm like, ooh. Never, never before since the movie Seven have I shouted, What's in the box louder? (laughs) Oh, it's the head of Mark Carano. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine? I I think that's what it is. I don't think there's any, I genuinely don't, as easy as it is to kind of go witch hunting, I don't think there's any malice in it. I think it's just he hasn't thought about it because, and, and, and what adds to my theory is that the following day, Without a, without a single shred of, of irony, of any sort of self-awareness, yeah. they put up the advert with the sponsorship deal they did with Hefty Bags. Uh, it's a, there's a video I didn't of, see that. A I video thought you were joking. Of, no, no, no. It's a video of Drew and Sasha Banks advertising <gasps> Hefty Bin Bags. No, and no. you even you look at the Hefty Bin Bag, right? And and it has it's very notable as the Hefty Bin Bag. One, it's Hefty, Hefty, Hefty. And two, it has a very distinctive black... Str- draw uh, blue drawstring, a very oh. dis- 
And if you look at Mickey's Instagram picture, it's a yes. very obvious blue drawstring. So that's, yes. again, it lends my theory. They've gone, oh, that sponsor just sent us 400 bags of hefty. Just chuck it in one of them. We've got them piled up in the corridor. Just use one of them. I think that's what it is. I don't think there's any malice you in know, it. Maybe we've fallen for this, and this is the best marketing campaign you've ever seen. Uh, if, if Mickey's getting a cut, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be over the moon with that. You but it, it, it is, there's so, there's so much now. I mean, the whole Thunderdome thing. I've had friends who have been in it. Mm. But you're right, it's just somebody pressing the button. And it's like, I, have you not that, been, have you not done the Thunderdome experience? Oh, God, no. I've not been. Why not? It's fun. I've done it a couple of times. Normally it's working. Nice. I'm normally working when it's on. That's why. Oh, that's true. That's I'm, at true. Work, I'm at work at the time. But the other, the other reason why, as well, is, is I just. When they did take us farewell, and it was like all oh, them people, then you're going, you're all in an empty warehouse. Yeah, it felt sad. That I felt was, really sad. Should have held that back. Mm. Should have held that back. And uh, but hey, hey ho. It you, is what it is. He features in he features in my third and final choice. Oh, go on then. What's your third so, and final match for your DVD, sir? Final four. <gasps> nice Vader Austin Vader's, Vader's best match Ooh. in the WWF. New man will be crowned World Wrestling Federation champion, and Paul Bearer thinks it's going to be his man Vader tonight. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, you've done let that Canader, that Gator butt, get that Canary mouth in trouble, brother. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I don't think so, Mr. Hart. Undertaker, rest in peace. Oh, yes! Being the businessman as I am, the bottom line is very clear. My Vader has already destroyed your Undertaker. My Vader has already destroyed Brett the Hitman Hart. My Vader has already destroyed Stone Cold Steve Austin. And tonight, you're looking at the new WWF champion, and then you'll know what time is it? <laughs> it's Vinatar! Yeah! What does it mean to be the World Wrestling Federation champion? For Shawn Michaels, the most flamboyant, courageous, athletic champion ever, it undoubtedly meant the world. Tonight, Four men, four superstar athletes consumed by the quest to become champion will battle in one dangerous no-holds-barred match. Four men with bitter scores to settle. Four men who in times of desperation were not quite the role models we once adored. And most importantly, because of a cruel twist of destiny, they are four men fighting for the title, willing to go to any extreme to claim victory willing to sacrifice it all to become champion. It's Vera, Bret Hart, Vega, and, of course, Steve Austin. And this is to, to because Shawn Michaels lost his smile the week he or did. so before. Well, originally, the poster, apparently, me mate, me mate's got a... Um, you know, this is how sad I am. We used to record all the pay-per-views and have them. That's and not I sad do, at all. Do, well, yeah, but I donated them all to a friend, and he's got them. What he did was, well, this shows how bad it was. Um, for the covers, I'd done the South Park wrestlers, wrestlers as South Park characters. <laughs> yes, popular. And he's replaced, he's replaced them all with covers. And I was speaking to uh, so hello Alex, if you're listening. Um, uh, he 
he's replaced the cover, and it's the original cover for In Your House, which has got um, Austin, I think it's Austin and Tiger, and then it's Shawn Michaels and Sid. Oh, which I don't know if that was the original lineup, what was supposed to be there. Well, I know they were heading towards Michael's Heart 2 at Mania 13. Um, but I think thank goodness they didn't Mm. because we wouldn't have had Austin versus what would possibly, you know, a match which really quickly went into this this slot here. The best one of the best Austin matches ever. Austin Hart was fantastic, and it's a slow build and it's great. The one for me, why I love this match. So Austin had obviously cheated at the Rumble. I had to have a number one contender anyway. You had Austin kind of being, you know, he was getting over, he was getting there. Vader was a new commodity. And had lasted really well. And then Taker was this, this was Taker starting to become in the man, as it were, again. And it is just such a great match. It's not the longest match. Um Vader gets split open by Taker and knocking him into the stairs. And he's beaten heavily from right above his eye. He's got a massive cut where his eye is and carries on. And um kind of stop him for blood loss, the kind of something like that. He's got to carry on. And he works all the way through. Um, Austin's a heel in it and cheats all the way through, which is, you know, the usual, what you expect from him. That set up Austin Hart. um, Baker and Vader, that kind of dropped down after that. It it, it set up, you know, Baker becoming the number one contender because Hart wins the match. Then the next night, he's beaten by Sid. Yeah. What a weird little twist in the tail that Which was. Which gives you Taker versus Sid as your main event of Mania. Your booby price. <laughs> yeah, so you, on one hand, you get Austin versus Hart, and you get the match where apparently Sid crapped himself. Is it true? Did he not? Uh, he, it has since been said that he didn't, and it's a bit of an urban myth. Me and you sat, me and, you sat and discussed this at Great Leg watching Mania did. in a casino. We did, indeed. <laughs> it was, and... and Sid has since said he didn't, but I don't know if I believe it. I'll put the video up. I'll put the video up because there's somebody going to shoot an interview. I, I was sitting laughing my head off at that last three in the morning coming in from work. And there's a shoot interview on YouTube with Sid and he's going, I, I did not crap myself. No. Like, <laughs> but you would say that, wouldn't you? It's <laughs> <laughs> his face when he says that. It's like, it's so childish. But yeah, that match, that match is great. It's, 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 on it's some great technical wrestling there, some great heel work. Um, falling, you've got Taker and Vera. Vera going for a beautiful Vera salt and missing it. Mm. Um, and you forget how how you know great and how agile he was, even then when he wasn't on top of his game. But I'd say that was his best match. That was the Vera you expect in the WWF, and then he was just he was hammered after that, unfortunately. Yeah, but it was it was a, a really like understated match. Oh, very and, much so. And also, the a fatal four way match was quite a rare commodity. I don't it think was. there had been one. It really was, and they had the rule that if you got thrown on the top rope like the Rumble, that was it. You were out. Both feet touch the floor. Mm. Pinfall or submission. So Austin gets thrown over the top rope by I think it's Bret Hart throws him out. But then he still he still hangs around like the little tinker he is. <laughs> Austin, Austin in his embryotic state here yeah. as well, not quite 
stone cold Steve Austin that we know. Yeah. But he's well and truly on the way. There's something special he's about got him. That teenager touch on him. He's got that. <laughs> he's grown the beard in. He's got that kind of wispy teenager touch on him. You're like, hey. See what you're doing there, exactly. late Exactly, and it's just coming through. You just see it, and there's lots of. And yeah. Your dad would get a hot towel and rub it off. That's what would happen. <laughs> Great choice on a match, though. Did you watch this? You. Did you? This was this was one that your mate had taped. So this, was... no, no, I watched this. Are you we, watching this live? Uh, we watched this live. Um, I was at uh, my friend's Ashes House in the West End of Newcastle. And ah. um, this was at a point where every pay-per-view we watched live. Um, ah, and it right. was absolutely Sky Sports, sat and watched it, and I just remember coming away um, because I really wanted to watch it because Vader was in it. Mm-hmm. And I came away going, wow, Steve Austin's amazing. You know? Um, you, you got a vibe from then, didn't you? Oh, like- very much so, very much so. But I'd also, I'd seen him as stunning, Steve. And mm. I knew what he could do. And everybody goes on about him in ECW, but when you see him in the Dangerous, Dangerous Alliance, Christ almighty, you know. He's st- always had something, and it's always, like, it was weird that when he was, when his wrestling kind of faltered after his yeah. neck injury, it's only then when he became, like, this mega star. But like yeah. the, but even before then, like, his when his wrestling ability was 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 much better he hadn't quite become the star yet and it's a bit of a sad yeah. twist of fate that he is quite yeah. limited when he became the guy that we know now but very much so but i think there's a lot of people's careers went like that as well mm. i mean now now i really love daniel bryan you'll never get to see daniel bryan doing as great as he could be however um he's still one of the most entertaining people on the court oh, i would pay to watch yeah. him i'd pay to watch him open an envelope and I've got to be honest, that hemp belt, that was amazing. Mm. That, that was that was good. I know it's an ironics, but my lord, that was entertaining. <laughs> Come back with the hemp belt. I really enjoyed that. I liked I was I just and the, the issue is that Daniel Bryan is so great at what he does mm. that becoming an asshole, people still liked him. Like I, I, I wanted that belt. <laughs> I I like what I loved is when Brian that, when Daniel sad. Bryan had it's sad and I really wanted that that wooden belt that kind of it's the only one i would want apart from the winged eagle but what i love the best part was though that it was an environmentally friendly belt that became so popular they mass produced it they were selling they were selling them on wwe shop <laughs> you know you see, do you know when you see fans walking around with the belts and shows yes have you ever wanted to just run over a bunch of them I, there's so many times I've just wanted it ha- to. Run. It happened to me at a, at a show that you couldn't make. It happened to me. Oh, that's right. I was no, because I was going to do it to you at work when you had the um, the the, the, the cult holic. Yeah. Oh no, no, this is be- this is before I was called a holic champion. This was um, years ago. Bless you. You mentioned to Billy Kirkwood that oh yeah, you couldn't make a gig at the sta- a wrestling comedy night. Oh, at the stand. Yeah, was, um, I was supposed to be doing the chair shot show. Yeah, yeah, and you couldn't yeah, make couldn't, it, and yeah. you said, hey. But he put yeah. Tom on. Yeah, and yeah. So Billy Kirkwood rang me and said, "Do you want to do it?" And was, it's it's tomorrow night. Was, yeah, sure. And yeah. and Alex, and one thing Alex says, she she says the one thing I do admire about you. There's just one thing. Um, just the one the one thing I admire is that like you'll you just do stuff. You don't yeah. you don't fret about it. Because I just got I hung up the phone. I was in the next room to Alex and I hung up the phone, and uh, I said, "Oh, I'm doing a wrestling theme stand up comedy 
show tomorrow night. I said, oh, have you done one before? Nope. Nope. Have you well, got, this is have why you got anything this, written? This, nope. But we've got 12 hours. That's we've think, got 20 hours. That's loads of time. I think this is why we're mates, because it's very much a case of let's put the show on right here. Come on then. Away. And it yeah, is it. it is. You've just oh. got to you've got to go with it. Opportunities only come once. And if you if you if you say, Oh, I'm not sure, mm. just gotta take the ball with both hands and run with it. I my greatest my greatest skill is just going, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. Book me in, that's fine. And then figuring it out after going, right, yeah. how do I get there? How do I do this? We'll figure all that out in the, in the long run. And that's, it'll, the, it'll that's happen. Deep, oh, yeah, it'll somehow come together. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the same, I have to admit. I am the same. Do you know, honestly, it's uh, I was good at a missed that chair shot show because it never came Aww. back down again. But I went with my Nunnerywood High School Hardcore Championship and... <sighs> told the story of the lineage of the Nollywood High School Hardcore title. And, and I had it on underneath my shirt throughout yeah. the gig. And then at the end of the night, they, I tell this story about how um, somebody ran off with it one night and no one's ever seen it. No one ever knows what happened to it. And then obviously I unbutton my jacket and I spin it round, <laughs> wearing it. And then, and unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, Chris Brooker, who was doing oh, the show, yeah. future, future shock promoter, had arranged yes. for the next guy on to run at me with a tray from the bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take me, take me down and pin me. Yes, I know Brugger. I know what he's like. I want it back by the end of the night. Um, yeah. But then I ended up losing it to Stallion, who is the PCW commentator who was there that night as well. Yeah. He then lost it to I know his, as well, yeah, yeah. He lost it to his partner, Danny, and I haven't seen it since. Like she she took the, the ownership of the belt the very seriously. Had it, the stallion had it taking the cash converters. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't know what you get for a child size foam ECW well, belt. To but be honest with you, Stallion you buy you you buy you headscarves. I know what he's like. You'll be after new <laughs> headscarves. <laughs> He, that's he'd be cashing in. He'd be straight down to Dorothy Perkins, couple of new headscarves. He'd be laughing. <laughs> Do you know it's it's funny how everything connects? Because we there's a thriving community now in in wrestling, right? And it's great. And I've purposely kept away from it. I've purposely kept away from stuff mm. just because like I've done my time. It was really good fun. I enjoy watching stuff from the sidelines. And it was one of those where. Somebody joked on this going, for your 50th, would you like to do it like one more match? One more gen- match. One gen- more gen- match. Just, just so I can do the Terry Funk thing. And I was like, well, some people say I have never done my first ever proper match. But I'm generally, generally thinking about it. And I've got um got three stone off now in the last since Christmas. And I'm thinking if I can get myself to a halfway decent state. However, now the how good everybody is now and the and the work rate and everything, I do not want to turn up and, and be the iron sheik in that gimmick match. <laughs> I don't want I, to be. however, want you to. Because <laughs> wrestling win. is bollocks, Stefan. I say we do it. <laughs> Who's gonna win? The guy who kinda take the bump. Or HT Drake. You beat an HT Drake. Yeah, 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 true. The thing is as well, do you realise he was the same age as AJ Styles <laughs> when that match happened? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up now. <laughs> Look it up now. Why did he pull out a phenomenal forearm? 
Iron Sheik. Okay, how old is Sheiky baby? How old is Sheiky baby? Sheiky's 79. So therefore, in 2001... That'll make me wrong. <laughs> 69, 15... Is AJ Styles 59? <laughs> Oh, do you know what it is? <laughs> Funny, I'm going to blame you. I'm going to right, I am going to apply the blame. I mean, Kyle here, who said, <laughs> do you know? bollocks." Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, thanks, man. You made us look like an ass. What I will no, say for saying, Lee Kyle is what I'll say for Lee Kyle. Um, I wasn't Lee Kyle. It wasn't Lee Kyle. Best it was Kyle and Rochdale, but Lee Kyle. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I was going. I was going to compliment Lee Kyle because yeah. it was Lee Kyle who did the Edinburgh. Was it Lee Kyle who did the Edinburgh show, which was reenacting the 1992 Royal Rumble? Yes, he did. He did. Yes. Uh, he solely did the 1992. He's got a, a, a book where, if you want to read how much of an arse I was, by uh, Adventures in Spandex by Lee Kyle. Although he now admits that a lot of it, he does disagree with what he wrote about us. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's wrote a book about the time uh, with the IWF, and it is a very entertaining read. <laughs> uh, but Lee Kyle did in the entire 92 Rumble, costume changes and everything. His flair was amazing. And he did the 92 Rumble by himself taking all the bumps. <laughs> On a stage, no ring. It was amazing to see. Um, I wasn't in the audience for that. I have seen video of it, and you just say, yeah. That's 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 Lee, Lee Kyle's. He, he, do you know what? he had so much fun, but he was actually really good. But the scariest I've ever been at a show, he took a really really nasty bump, and I ended up taking him to hospital. And it was me and a couple of us took him to hospital, and he ended up with like thirty five seconds of memory, and then he'd be blank. Oh, then he couldn't remember. And he generally, it, it's something me and him joke on about because we took, because it was all attitude era when we were wrestling. It was so many people got smacking you with chairs and all sorts, number of concussions. But he got so badly concussed, it, it started to get like a minute where he could remember, and then he forget about it. But he, he he'd won the title. He's going, why have I got the belt? And oh, he won the title, no. dinner, and you repeat, and he just keep going, going, why have I got the belt? Oh, and it no. was so, it was so weird. It was uh, genuinely, I was. At that point for that night, I was terrified. So I was like, is he ever going to come back from this? Luckily, he has, you know. But it's it's one of those ones where you're like, wow, that's the the terrifying side. That and watching some people, watching somebody blow their knee out. <sighs> yeah, that was horrible. Where was watching, that? And that was at a show in Sheffield, an independent show in Sheffield. And I watched one of the trainees that had a rumble. Um, and he basically did the Scott Putski where his kneecap went up his leg. Jesus, and it was it was it was. <laughs> There's no worse than wrestling, especially if you've got a mascot and you want to hide because you just watch somebody throw that near you. <laughs> oh God, that was horrible, horrible. Was training. I uh, don't think he ever wrestled again. And, but, and, uh, and are we still keen to come back? Are we? Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, you know, I, I would, uh, I would happily. Genuinely, I was sitting thinking, what would I do? Because my gear's gone. I've got rid of that. Mm. What would I do? Do it? Do, do you get new gear for one show? Yes. Or do you do that whole thing of just coming out in like do the Shane McMahon tracksuit trousers? Yeah, tracky tracky bottoms and a and a t shirt. Mate, we've got to get new gear. Oh, it's got to be all new lycra. Well, will you manage it? If I do it. Will you manage it if I do it? I would be honoured to manage you. That'd be great. I, I'm so in be, your corner. I would rather be off the make for it and have you managers. Mate, you, I'm there. If you, could, do, if you could be my Harley race, I would be over the moon. 
It'd be, do you know what? If only, if only there was a platform that we could use to put the word out to the greater wrestling community that <laughs> Judge Mental's coming back for one more match. If only we had oh. a platform that we could use. Oh, hang on. I've got an idea. Well, I've got, I've got a year. I've got a year. My birthday is in September. I'm 49 this year. So my 50th birthday. That one is the year. One more match one for, more for match Judge Mental. I would love to do. I would love Hashtag to do. Also, one more but, match for Judge Mental. For anybody who sat and listened through all this bollocks, can I just point out, I don't know why he's had me on either because I was listening <laughs> last night and he had Ron Funches on and I was sitting there going, why? I mean, Gene Money. Can I just say the Gene Money interview? Oh, well, is he ace? Do you know, I've seen bits of Gene on video. I love that. And this is why I like Desert Island Graps, because you get to find out so much more about everybody. And my opinion of Mr. Money changed. Because I'd seen him do stuff, and I was like, oh, he's a comedy character. He's so much more. Mm. And I really, really enjoyed that. He's, so a very, he's a very rich character. He, really he is, is. He is. And it, it, it was something that I really, really enjoyed. And after listening to good. And I message you going, why do you want me to do this? <laughs> You've got people who are proper on you. I want, I did, well, define proper. Oh, I know, I know. Define proper. I, as, I, as we said at the beginning, like you're, you're, you're a wrestling fan, you're a star of the entertainment industry. And, and, and now, as, as it has come to pass, you're, you're looking for one more match. So, Terry fucking do it, I can do it. We had, we had Bad Bones on who wanted to get one more a match out of AEW, and oh. we were happy to supply. Um, we're happy to do one more match for judgmental. If I can kick Margot's stunt in the arse, I'll happily do anything. Oh, so I think this, that would be so. Has this become judgmental for AEW Dark? No, 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 yes, no, 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 I'll fight Cody's dog. I'll fight, I'll fight Cody's dog. Um, you know, I, I am happy, I am happy to, uh, and uh, as as I would be 50 years old, lying down is not a problem, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it just, it's one of them things where you, if you set yourself a target to achieve and say, I want to try and do something, I kind of like that. However, I just don't want to be not eliminated from the ring because I can't take the bump. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he, can, he can he can eliminate Sergeant Slaughter, Sheiky Baby, oh, oh, <laughs> Sheiky Peddy. Will eliminate Slaughter. Uh, Stefan, where can people I will go humble to... you, baby? Humble oh, you. I humble I you. Do a shitty impression. You can do you could do a camel clutch. You said earlier. Well, I can't, no, no, Long no. Long stretch. I once get I once give somebody a camel clutch and lost me where balance and nearly killed them. <laughs> 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 so well, the thing one is, more match. One was, more match. <laughs> I was a like twenty-six stone man, and I had, a, I had a clutch, and I was squatting. And the thing was, there was a, there was a lot of oil. There was a lot of oil involved. And she I slipped. And luckily, I let go. I let go and just sat on his sat on his spine. And he was like, he just went, Jesus, do something for a minute. So uh, these things happen. And this, and this is judgmental at the peak of his career. Imagine oh, what he can do for you. Fifty, I can peak. Fifty, I can. If you've got somebody Moon on your salt. roster, Moon if you've got somebody salt. on your roster who you don't care about, give us a shout. <laughs> Stefan, where can people go to find out all about you? Uh, well, hopefully, and by the time this comes out, my new website, jordycomic.com. That's G-O-R-D-I-E-C-O-M-I-C, jordycomic.com, and it'll have bits of gubbins of what I do and pieces. And hopefully when COVID's over and I can go back on tour, 
uh, we'll have my Impossible Man tour. So that'll be good because uh, I'm wait- I'm itching to get that out. As I'm it were. excited to see you back on the tour, sir. That'll be fun. Be fun to do. We'll have a lovely time. Thank you very much for the last two and a half hours, sir. Jesus, how long it's been? Two and a half hours. You're gonna have to edit this one down. I had, to, I had to pop the chops to get me medication. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to be poorly for another day. Totally worth. And you've got to put the bits in about the shows as well. You've got to put. I've got to do all that. Aren't I. Oh, it'll be fine. I'll. 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 I'll get it done. I'll get it done. An honour and a privilege. Thank you so much for having us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 